If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of The Mind Pump. The Mind Pump. For the first 45 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. We start out by talking about a great treat for kids. Skinny Dipped. It's a low-sugar, healthy, almond snack. They're chocolate. They're Dude. amazing. Now we Delicious. are we are sponsored by Skinny Dipped. If you go to skinnydipped.com and enter the code Mind Pump, you will get 20% off any of their products. Then we talk about my daughter's audition and uh Enzo's YouTube channel. It's actually growing pretty quickly. He's got what 300 300 subscribers He's a so hustler, far. Hustler, man. Yeah. We talk about the very very sad death of my Jetta. <laughs> we have to put it out to pasture. Yeah, uh, we all shed a tear. We talk about the current state of CrossFit. They were going through some layoffs. Oh boy! So we do a lot of uh, mayday, mayday, <laughs> a lot yeah. of speculation on our end. We mentioned the all-day workouts. By the way, we're still constructing what that's going to look like. Look forward to that being a part of maybe one of our guides or programs in the future. We talk about <sighs> Adam's cold and how he's using Organifi's Christmas blend. That's what we call the red juice mixed with the green juice. And probiotics. His jolly old mix. Uh, Organifi is one of our favorite sponsors. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and enter the code Mind Pump, you will get 20% off. I would also like to mention our YouTube channel, Mind Pump TV. The video that's up right now is how to do a physio ball crunch the right way. One of the best ab exercises you could do. Nobody does them right. No. Nope. And then we get into the questions. The first question was, this person's asking about intuitive eating is it mythical or is it a constantly evolving journey uh and find out why adam loves the term intuitive eating yeah yeah i love it <laughs> a little bit of a rant here yeah. next question was uh mark sisson one of the leaders in the wellness industry he's that ripped old dude uh that talks about primal eating all the time <laughs> uh, that's a sound bite right there he, <laughs> yeah he's that ripped old dude he says that the key to longevity is to have a slow metabolism we always talk about speeding up the metabolism Find out why we're right in that ep part of this episode. Oh, man. Uh, someone else, uh, next question mentioned, you know, I had digestive issues for a while, and what were some of the red flags that I noticed, and what were some of the first steps I took to resolving those gut issues? This seems to be a growing problem with a lot of people. There's some nuggets uh, if, if you wait till the end. Nugget bombs. Yeah. <laughs> the last question. Nugget bomb in there. The last question was, this person wants to become a personal trainer, wants to know if they should still go to college or if they should go straight into the field of personal training. I would also like to mention that MAPS performance is 50% off all month long. MAPS performance is the MAPS program designed for people who want to get ripped, shredded, muscular, strong, but who also like athletic type of training, multiplanar movements. They're not they're not super big fans of the traditional exercises, but they, they like them, but they also like to do that other cool stuff that I you I want see. to call it the plateau buster. It's a I great- I guarantee it's not what you're doing. Fantastic, uh, Justin. So it is 50% off, but you have to use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N, and the number 50, no space to get the 50% off. That's at mindpumpmedia.com. And also, we have bundles on that website. Our bundles are where we take multiple MAPS programs. So you don't just do one, but you do one followed by another. Um, and they're designed for particular goals. The most popular one is a super bundle, which is an entire year planned out for you. So the whole year, all scheduled and broken down and planned out for you. You can find that bundle plus the 50% off MAPS performance with the code GREEN50 at mindpumpmedia.com. 
You know, the only downfall of us of us not uh, be, you know being on the mics like consistently every day and we having to do other stuff is uh, there was stuff that I really wanted to. Yeah, you don't write it down. I do sometimes, and then some- I forgot to. Yeah, I had a bunch mm. of stuff I want to talk That's to you guys about. Too bad because I, I wrote my stuff down. Oh. You did? Yeah, don't worry. I got. <laughs> so it. you're the most organized <laughs> one out of all of us. Gold star Sal. You know, is that, is you that, know something's that, wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's a problem when I'm the most organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a problem. I was organized in a different direction. The man. ship is the falling apart. Yeah, there's some shit going on. Uh, with, dude, these uh, more these, snare, Doug. These uh, skinny, these skinny dipped almonds. The macros are. Beautiful, excellent, oh, beautiful. Yeah. The the small packs. It's like it's what is it? Six grams of sugar for the whole thing. Well, that's what that's what makes. But it, it tastes like I'm eating candy. I'm it's, salivating because I remember the taste. But I'm I'm ready to get back on that. I, it's just been forever, bro. Dude. It's like the best because because you know we're doing this whole contest yeah. and you know I, I brought some home. I see you guys eating them. And I'm I brought jealous. some home for the kids because you know the kids. It's very difficult to when it, with kids. It's very very hard to. to keep them eating healthy because they're just exposed even though in my house we eat very well yeah. they're exposed to their friends and they're and i go to pick them up yesterday from school my daughter by the way auditioned for a, a play i'll tell you guys about that in a second but all right i show up and they're sitting there with their friends and i'm not exaggerating this is this is for real now one of their friends has like hostess cupcakes another one has this rice crispy treat with like chocolate in the middle. Uh, Another one's drinking a big old thing of Sunny D, calling it orange juice when it's yeah. obviously not. Yeah. And so my kids are looking at me like, Meh. you know, because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I had the skinny dipped uh, almonds. I had the, the the chocolate flavor. Was it cocoa? I think it's called. Dark. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so good. So I'm like, hey, I got you guys some chocolate. And my kids were so happy, but no, it's great because such it, a healthy option for for snacking. Yeah, I mean, you want to give them a little bit of a treat every now and then too. It's like that's a great one to do, like in, in opposition to like the hostesses and the cookies and all these types of things that are out there that they're going to eat anyway. You know, out with their friends. So yeah, that's that's one of them. Well, it's almonds. It's, it's almonds. It's almonds. And it's very, very, very. And it's dark. Sugar. And it's dark chocolate. Yep. Yeah. So talk about two. You know, talk about a good thing to introduce. If you're going to introduce a treat to a kid or any, anyone, even yourself, like oh, that's I, why I had some too. You know, even though we're doing this right now, I mean, I can eat almonds. Yeah, it's not. I mean, like I said, the sugar's so low in it, but it tastes so good. Right. There's some magic engineering going on over there. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's no. Really good. What they did, which I think is brilliant, is when you. I mean, in the past, I've had. It's not the first time I've had chocolate almonds. It's not like it's revolutionary or brand new to us. But in the past, always. Chocolate almonds are always chocolate with it's a all little chocolate with a tiny little with a little almond in it, and they just they just flip the game on its head. It's like yeah. you don't really need that much chocolate to give it some really good flavor. But it's also like real, uh, what is it? Like, real chocolate. It's yeah. not the the, the fake right. candy. That's the other thing too. It's not, yeah. the, it's not garbage chocolate. It's a better source of chocolate, and then it's just a thin coat, so you get this nice little chocolate. Yeah, taste. and the small uh, pack is something like I I, I saved the macros because I was. I was pretty surprised. Well, when we, when we first got sponsored by them, I didn't know that they had those little packets. And it was when Enzo came in. I was like, dude, where did you get those? He's like, oh, yeah, no, if you order online, you can get these. We had all the big ones, which that I still, those are, I mean, almonds, period, can be dangerous. I was telling I someone know, this the other day. Well, because they're, they're nuts, right? So they're higher in calories. Right. Yeah. 230 calories for the package and a total seven grams of protein, six grams of sugar, five grams of fiber. Wow, I mean they're yeah, really that's, good. That's not a whole lot. No, they're really really good macros for Sugar a snack, wise. and compared to a package of just plain almonds, it's not a huge difference. It's not going to kill you. Yeah, no, coffee no, ones are my favorite. You like the coffee ones? Uh, yeah. Freeze. Uh, put them in the fridge. Yes. Put no, them in the fridge. I put them in the freezer. So good. Yeah. Yep. So yep. so good. Yep. So anyway, so my daughter yesterday is doing. Uh, <laughs> she goes to do an audition for uh, what is it? Scarlet's Web. 
Charlotte's oh, Web. Oh, Charlotte's Web. Scarlet's Al Pacino. It's like Charlotte's Web. Scarlet's Letter. So you got that confused. Yeah, so Charlotte's Web. And man, I have a little... I might have a little like actress on my hand. First off, she did that talent show. She did stand-up comedy already. And in the talent show, all the other kids were either playing the piano or dancing, you know, stuff that they practice all the time. My daughter's like, I want to get on stage and I want to tell jokes, which is- So awesome. Yeah, it takes a level of guts that I would not have had at her age. Then she comes here, because I brought her here to work, was it two weeks ago with my kids? Mm -hmm. So excited about the cameras, so excited about the lights. She's like- she tells me, Papa, let me do a YouTube video. Please, let me be on your YouTube. And I'm like, no, I'm real protective. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not an adult yet. I don't want you on there. Right. But then she's doing this. And so we're having a conversation. And then she's making videos. Did I send you guys one of the videos she made uh -huh. on her phone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she used the editing software at eight years All old. All dramatic and everything. Yeah. It's awesome. And she's making these videos. And, and, I'm, and she's like, when can I have a YouTube channel? Yeah. And I want to do videos. So what I'm going to do is. Because I, you know, part of me's paranoid parent. Like I don't want you out there in the, on the web putting yourself out there because there's a lot of creeps and all that stuff. But part of me also understands if you tell a kid no, 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 they're going to do the exact opposite at yeah. some point, especially when they're teenagers. Yep. So I told her, I said, what I'm going to do is when I come home today, I'm gonna, you and I are going to practice, and I'm going to teach you how to present yourself on YouTube. I'm going to teach you, and we're going to film you, and we're going to make different videos, and you can think about what you want to teach or talk about. And uh, get you really good. That way, when you are ready to get on YouTube, you're already going to be. Yeah. I a did the champion. same thing with my son. Like as far as like learning to storyboard and plan it all out, like way ahead of time, because he's really into the stop motion. But also, he wants to kind of be in front of the camera. Hey guys, you know, this is my channel. Like subscribe and like, and he's like got that whole thing like versed, you know, to the T. And and uh, I was looking into it because I, I think. I think you can make the channel private, and I'm looking into that. But um, I think you can do that. So if I, if that's the case, I was thinking it's like just shooting it and like getting building up a bunch of videos, and then we'll kind of decide when. Oh, to, you could totally do that to, to yeah, let it go. Yeah. Right. And then only so, people oh, yeah, who are yeah. invited. Yeah, yeah only you, people that are invited could watch. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could leave it. You could totally Which leave is, it. Yeah, it's a cool, cool kind of segue to that. No, well, I, I think what we're doing, Justin, is we are <laughs> we're creating we're, our future. we're building employees. Yeah, like we don't we don't you know we yeah. could step out one day and have them do all the stuff for. And, hey, yeah, speaking yeah. of kids do, building YouTube, so I was asking Enzo the other day. So Enzo, you guys have been watching his vlog, right? Which is love watching. He's this getting kid. better and better. Bro, my kids love his vlog, by the way. Yeah. Oh, do they? love his. I told him, I said that's a good sign because my kids don't want to watch our videos because they're too, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. instructional. We're too, we're too boring. Yeah, they love his vlog. So I told him, I said that's a good sign when you get that age group that likes your shit because that'll make it go. So huge. I was asking him, you know, about it, like. Does like everybody in your high school do that? Is like a thing like in high school, like everybody tries to start their own vlog and he's like, no, it's actually, there's, he's all, there's only one other kid in my school that has like a legitimate vlog. And he goes and everybody in Canton, so every, he's a, I forget the name who the, he's somebody famous, it's his son, you know, the, he goes to Saratoga High. So those that don't know, like Enzo goes to a really nice school right. right it's a little bit different. to some high profile tech person yeah, or like an athlete some or, rich some rich parent that has a, some their kid and and i guess the rumor at school is that he bought all of his followers because he has no engagement his vlog sucks <laughs> right so bro you just keep calling out people i didn't say your name you're not calling you just not, said the high school yes there's, there's only one other guy yeah they're gonna put two, two together bro <laughs> 
<laughs> Great job. Hey, you know, so, this is just what I heard. I got my kids. I got I got my boys back, so I won't let uh, I won't let you get beat up, Enzo. Don't worry. Uh, I got you. <laughs> Uncle Adam will come down to school if I have to. Uh, no, so he's he said that uh there's only one other kid that really does it and and that's the the big joke at school is that he's this kid had to buy all his followers. So mm. Enzo, even even where his following is now, I believe he's approaching three hundred. I think he's at two seventy or two eighty or something like that. Bro, getting to a thousand is so hard. He's getting yeah. there fast. Oh yeah, no. He, I mean, when I'm looking at his views, I remember when I first started. Uh, fuck, probably 95 percent of the people listening to this podcast don't even know this, but you can look up uh, the original YouTube channel that I started, which was "We Love to Hate Adam" with the number two, and I was documenting my transformation from fat to fit. And I kind of dropped it. And the reason why I dropped it was I didn't feel like it was getting traction. I thought it, I felt stupid. Like I was just like, this is lame. Like this was literally that was literally the introduction of YouTube for me and me trying to figure this out. So this motherfucker's got more views on some of his stuff than I had. And mm -hmm. and I and all this time that I've been doing this. Yeah, but he knows how to like he's got the camera. He knows how to edit it. He knows how to optimize it. No, totally. I mean, and he's, he's and he's good. Well, and I've I, I haven't done a, a real shout out on my Instagram for him, but I I was gonna tell people you know that they should watch this. Anybody who's interested in building a YouTube channel or a vlog should absolutely watch this kid because not only is he already talented as it is for a 17 year old but he's also got us in his corner we're helping him out we're every which but you know we got to be i got to be honest here i would not help someone out just because they're yeah. my friend or just because they're even Fuck though no even though i love the kid love yeah. him to death if he sucked and didn't yeah, provide sucked, any value i wouldn't go anywhere no i wouldn't promote him you know what i mean because I, I wouldn't do him any good and wouldn't do us any good or anybody any good but he's legit talented. He's legit good, and that's why you know I, I gave him a shout out the other day. Was it two days ago? Yesterday? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I definitely think if you're listening listening to the show and you guys are interested in building a social media platform, I mean, watch this kid go. I mean, this is we're going to be we meet him and I meet at least two to three times a week, and we discuss this all the time and critique what he's doing and go do ideas. He just he just added his new little intro. Yeah, that I know Juan Martinez from our, yeah, our forum. Juan hooked him up with that one. Yeah, yeah. That, was that was a cool intro. Snazzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool. So it's a good time. Snazzy. Dude, so uh, we are at the end of uh, an era. The end of an era. What? Gotta, I'm going to have to retire the Jetta. Oh, oh no. Don't do it. No more Jetta jokes? Dude, bro, I'm so mad. Because we got to take a bunch of Not because I love that car, because you guys know me. Like yeah. when, when it comes to certain things, I don't care about spending money. Not a problem. When it comes to other things, I'm the just the cheapest motherfucker in the world and when it comes to cars that's that's i have this weird like fight it's so funny that you're that way with this too because i think i know i've talked about this on the show there's there's a handful of things in our life that you will use as much as a car a television and a bed and so to go cheap on any of those three things is just absurd to me yeah, you know yeah. what it is to be a cheap ass in that arena yeah, i think i live in that thing but right. you know you know you know what it is it's that i look at the car like it's it's just my transportation from from two places. I get that, and that's it, and that's it. And so, and for me, I would rather take that money and either go on a trip or invest it in something that's going to grow. It's just not something super important to me. And and anyway, so it was it the other day I was working. I, me and Jessica go out in the garage to work out. It's five thirty in the morning or whatever, six a.m. And I move the car out of the garage, and what I do is I park it in front of the garage, and then we do our lift. And then, you know, after we're done, I go to move the car again and the key won't even, it, it turns a little bit that it won't turn. It feels like the steering wheel's locked, mm -hmm. but then the steering wheel's moving. So I'm like, <laughs> fuck, like what is going on? So angry. So I, I 
call my buddy. He comes over, tries to give it a jump. It's not doing anything. Luckily, the the you know my other friend is a mechanic. He comes down and he's got one of those testers to test the battery. And he's like, "No, your bat- your battery works good." He goes, "I'm gonna have to take this to my shop to figure out like what's going on." Mm-hmm. So towed it to his shop, and then I get a call, and he's like, "Yeah, the fucking ignition column thing is broken. This, that, and the other." And then we have to take it to the dealership to get it reprogrammed. It's gonna cost like. I don't know. He was going to hook me up, but without his discount, it would have been like 2000 or something like that. So, so when you know it's time man. to buy a new car, when it costs more to fix it than your car is actually worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's, it's worth a little more than that, but yeah. it's not worth that much. And I have to, I should buy one anyway. I've just been putting it off. Yeah. So yeah, some incentive now. Dude, you to you look deserve into it, right? a grown yeah. up car. Come on, man. It's not you about, deserve a grown up car. I deserve whatever I, I deserve what I, what <laughs> I want. It's not that. It's that. Anyway, you know, I was looking at cars over the weekend and, I'm looking at these really nice cars. And you know what? Here's the conversation that goes on in my head, right? So I look yeah. at these really cool cars. I'm like, damn, that looks like a sick car. Yeah. Maybe I could drive that around. That's kind of cool. And then I'm thinking in my head, like, why do I want that car? And I'm like going through my head. I'm like, well, it's kind of my ego. I want people to see that I have a cool car. Do I really want like that? Do I really want that kind of a car? So I'm just going back and forth. I think I'm just going to get something nice and pretty. Like a, what a, it, a rabbit. What is the nicest yeah. car you've ever owned? That I've ever owned? Yeah. Uh, years Did you ago. ever buy yourself a really nice car? Yeah, I had an Acura. I had an, uh, uh, what's it called? A TL. Okay. Type, type of. A, it was a nice car when I got it. Did you buy it. it pretty used though or was it No, new? it was brand new. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, it was brand new. I've, every car I've ever owned, I paid cash. I yeah. don't like uh, making payments or financing. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm going to get something decent, something more practical. The other thing too is I feel like, you know, remember I, got, I, I owned a, a home when I was married, got divorced. You know, I don't have a house anymore. And so I would rather buy a something like a house first or property first before I get like a really nice car. So I'm going to get something decent, something practical, but I don't think I'm going to go, you know, super nice or whatever. But anyway, you need well, some space it. for the I'm kids. going with you. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to do my, I'll, I'll tell the audience, I'll do my best. to. to I'm, I'm going to come back with like <laughs> yeah, a fucking badass whip, Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can afford it, Adam. Oh, Shut up. You deserve I'm gonna it. I'm going to be with Jason. Get him a challenger. Table, try like to some change. balls in it. Yeah. I just want him to get something. Fuck. Here's the thing. Like again, like, when you have there's certain things that having like a really like there's one of the things I love about the Denali right is I mean I could I start my car from inside of my house it heats up oh, it, yeah, great it car. turns to all my temperatures I want you want to know what my mind thinks what? I think fuck that's a lot of a gas how much money you spend on gas <laughs> I swear <laughs> I go my mind goes I'm, you know you guys call me an old man I know there I I don't blame you guys there's definitely certain things about me it's like I'm a 60 year old. You know, yeah. dude. Well, I, I, I for, yeah, for sure, for sure, when I was in my early twenties, I was I was definitely wasteful, and I did a lot of stupid things that fed my ego that were not practical. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, there were certain things I was like, you know what? There, there's certain things I I appreciate climbing into a very nice, expensive bed because you know what? You have really nice, expensive bed. Fucking as comfortable as shit. Mm-hmm. I get the most amazing sleep. We talk about how important sleep is on mm-hmm. here. I watch TV. That's what I, one of my favorite pastimes is to veg out, watch a good movie, or watch our favorite series. So to experience that with a badass, big, clear TV is very important to Mm -hmm. me. I drive in my car. I spend probably 30% of my life in my car driving to and from. I want a great stereo system. I want great handling. I want comfortable seats. Spacious. Yeah, all these things all matter to me. You have, you find a lot of value. I don't, I'm not, by the way, when I say for me, you know, I don't see, it's hard for me to spend a lot of money on a car. That's because I don't value it the same way as you. Right, I don't right. think what you're doing is stupid. You, it's if you value it that much, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just for me, my the, the way I value automobiles isn't. 
I appreciate them, by the way. I totally appreciate them. Like, I can get a nice car and be like, wow, this is great. But because I don't value them in the same way, I almost feel like it'll be a waste of money because you, you, how often do you get your car cleaned? You're like, when you get a scratch on it, you take care of it. I don't. Yeah. So I, you know, I spend $50,000 on a nice car. You're going to be like, go wash your goddamn car, Sal. You don't wash it since you bought well, it. Now, I'm not going to, you know what so I'm saying? This is, this, is, this is how much I am about this, which I know this just make you cringe because having an extra vehicle is just even more crazy. <laughs> I like to have like the Jetta or the Corolla for me. You know, and you the got car, the beater. Yeah, the car yeah. that I just, yeah. you know, beat the fuck. I it, you know, I, whatever, I if it gets keyed, whatever, if it doesn't get washed. Like, so then, and then I have the car that I like to go. Here's the thing too. Like if, if we, if we were to go to your house, and we were to go to dinner, and you were to drive us. Don't you feel weird when you have like you're a grown ass man, and you have a couple no. that has to get in the back of the Jetta? No. You know what? I doesn't you, feel. I just. So I've thought I about like, this. <laughs> so I've thought, I've thought about this. You know. So here's here's where my thought process goes with that. I had a client. I've had several clients who I've connected very strongly with because we were very similar in our our personality and values and all that stuff. And they were extremely successful. One of them was a tech like mogul. I don't want to say his name because people will know who he is, but. Let's just say he's worked, you know, side by side with like some of the most famous uh, tech giants. Rhymes with mobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just, <laughs> the guy's a mogul, right? And he'd come and he'd train with me and he drove, uh, you know, he drove a, a Nissan Pathfinder that had, uh, you know, 200,000 miles on it. Trained another doc, another guy who was a, uh, a surgeon, brilliant, brilliant surgeon. He drove a Tracel with 150,000 miles on it. And for me, you know, when I met these guys, they were Tercel? super- Yeah. Super cool guys. I mean, if you look at their houses, and then you could tell, like their homes yeah. were just incredible. See, now I can. Re- there's, there's, I rocked the but then it, I respected them because I'm like, whoa, like they're so. You would never know. Now there's there's a thing though. Let me and when you get to that point, because I've like you, I've trained lots of millionaires, and m- many of them have this in common. And because I'm not a multimillionaire, I don't know what it's like to to be that wealthy. They try I, and maintain normalcy. Well, exactly. And, and it's because people start to either one, judge them, or two, you look like you have a bunch of money, so then you get hit up yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I know that a lot of them, so, they will, so I bet you all those guys, because at least all the ones I train, they went through a Lamborghini, a Mercedes phase, and then they transitioned out of it at one point because they're older and been around for a long time, and now they're driving the whatever. Because, well, so well, the one guy, yeah. the tech guy, I, I talked to him about this because we became good friends, and I would ask him, I'm like, dude, why are you – like I, I said, I used to tell him, I'd be like, it's so crazy that you drive this car with you know 200,000 miles on it, and you're obviously so successful. And he goes, oh, no. He goes, I love cars. He goes, I just don't like new, nice cars. So what did he own? He owned like weird Volkswagens and, you know, cars that, that were kind of, uh, that he really enjoyed that were strange and different. And you would own these cars for fun. He just didn't enjoy the really nice, super expensive, you know, type of flashy type car. And that's just his own personal preference. Yeah. And I appreciated that because, because it's more common. I, I think a lot of people buy things because they feel like they have to show people. Because I can feel that pull. Trust me, after my divorce, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people and my friends and family look at me and think, how well is Sal going to do? Because, you know, divorce is expensive. It crushes people and, it, you know, definitely was hard for me. And so there's definitely a part of me that's like, I want people to know that I'm, you know, I'm kicking ass. I want people, and I can feel that pull, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which also makes me go in the opposite direction and be like, well, I don't really care. I don't really care what people, people think whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. I really don't, I don't you know, it's not something I care it about. It just has to be what you want, man. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, exactly. On it's your terms. Be what, yeah, 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 yeah. So you guys will you see me. You want some nice shit? Get some nice shit, man. Yeah, so you guys will see me spend like a lot of money on like, I'll probably fly some fucking guru from somewhere. 
hang out with me for a week and teach me. <laughs> then you guys will laugh and be like, what the hell are uh-huh. you doing? I'll spend a lot of money on dinners. I love, you know, I love expensive no, I dinners. No, I, I, like I get things. And I'm like also, I also like spending money on, on friends. So, you know, if you go out with me, you know I'm the kind of person that tries to offer because it makes me, makes me feel really good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But other than that, I don't know. We'll see what happens. No, I get that. Anyway, speaking of money and success... A lot of news from CrossFit lately, huh? Oh my god, <laughs> we success. We haven't dude. talked in a while, like dude. Shit's been going down. Layoff, layoffs. Yeah, you, uh, there was a thirty uh, something at headquarters, which was what forty percent. They were saying like almost half of the of the yeah, people almost. in Santa Cruz or whatever wow. laid off. Wow. wow. Yeah. What do you guys think is going on? Let's speculate because nobody yeah. knows, right? Let's do some speculation. Well, I mean, <laughs> some internal we, things happening. We speculated three years ago. You know yeah. what? Uh, what? Where? Where? Or what would happen across it? And I, you know, I definitely was one who disagreed that I didn't. I think it was too big to fail. Um, I don't know. I'd like to retract that now. Mm. It's it's the news that's coming out, the direction they're going. Like they for sure have peaked, mm-hmm. and they they've got they they're gonna go down for a while right now. That's so the the clubs, uh, the the fran they call franchises, the affiliate clubs or whatever that have been you know they were exploding for a while in the U.S. Now they're kind of flat. Most of the growth is is overseas, is overseas and stuff. Yeah, but. Here's here's where some of the speculation is, and I read I read an article on on Glassman, and he was talking about what was going on or alluding to what's going on, and he, he they want it seems like what they want to do is take less emphasis on the games on the games because the games started representing not what CrossFit well, is j- all about. To me, that's all that's all a backpedal move. You think so? Fuck mm-hmm. yeah, it's a backpedal mm-hmm. move. Come yeah. on, dude, you've been doing this for this long already. You don't you didn't think that this is what I mean, it's just exposed now. Mm-hmm. It's under the lights and people are seeing it and they're getting so much heat. And he's been trying to move this direction into a, a better way of fitness forever and that's what they coach and teach behind closed doors yeah. or trying to be a better way of working out and Maybe to appeal more to the average person to reduce well, of some course, of the, that's know. been the biggest knock on them is that they're not. It's it's been a sport since day one. It's yep. not a it's yeah. not a good. That's why I think eliminating the games or not eliminating, but reducing focus on the games. The games. That's a mistake. I don't know. And now the games weren't making money for a long time. I don't know if you guys know that the, the games were in the red forever. Right. Yeah. And it's only up until relatively recently that the games started profiting. But the games, if I'm a if I'm an owner of a CrossFit box. You know that the games, you know, they really, that's why you have the name on your freaking box. It's right. like everybody, you know, knows about that, watches that. I feel like that drove a lot of it. So if they take oh, the sure. emphasis off that, what do you think is going to happen? Because remember, all these affiliates, at any given moment, they can drop the name, the other which thing, is what a lot of them are doing. The, yeah, a lot of them are doing that. Like you, Jason Kalipas and guys like that that, are, that made a name for themselves. Well, here's the thing, too. A, lo- a lot of people are finding out it's a shitty business. Mm. Mm-hmm. A you, lot of people. It's hard are fun- to make money. Yes. Yeah. They don't make money, dude. They don't make money. Yeah. They make if you're good, it makes 80k. That's mm-hmm. for the amount of work of owning a facility. Get you know, the fuck out of here. You know how much work the average goes is, into that? The average is like 50. That actually is making money. Then the amount that are closing down. Now, where are you getting the numbers that you're quoting by the way? The 50 to 80. Is this from the people we've talked to? Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no. People that are I mean, you're when you're talking about the the Rob Wolfs and the Jason Kalipas and the people behind the scenes, all the barbell shrug guys, the the barbell um uh, the boys over in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, we, I've discussed numbers with everybody else. Aside from what I've read too, on where they're at, and then what I know from my experience of running gyms, mm-hmm. like they're just gyms in general are not, especially small gyms, like a small mom and pa gym that doesn't have a big brand behind it. 
is not a really profitable gym. If you if we're talking about a Planet Fitness, a Twenty Four Hour Fitness, a Crunch, a Golds, well, yeah, these are huge franchises or huge companies that yeah, those could be profitable. Those could be making pulling down you know a hundred k a month and a million a year, maybe mm-hmm. sort of some of the top ones. But a, a normal gym that you know Jane and Susie and and Bobo open up. Those things are making fucking fifty grand. Maybe if you're like you're you're just a trainer, but now you have a facility. People don't realize that because like we had we just had Mark Masteroff on the show. Who, by the way, one of my my favorite my favorite guests of all time, only because there's that history. Yeah, but also the guy. No, he's he was a great guest. Great storyteller. Great storyteller. Brilliant uh, communicator. But you know he's talking about his success and all that stuff in the industry, and you know I was a part of, and so were you guys. But you know during the heydays of the success of 24 Hour Fitness, where these clubs were making a lot of money, but I know what went into them making that much money. I've also owned my own facility, and I was successful. I was never in the red. I was able to profit and, and support you know myself and my family. I we know what goes into making money in these facilities, and uh, you know if you're crushing, it, if you're just killing it in a CrossFit box, you're maybe making you know a hundred grand a year, and you're working your fucking ass off. Yeah. You're there. You don't 12 plus hours a day. Yeah, you're well, there seven days a week. And that's know, if you're morning to night. It. And then you get to that point, and the natural progression that they all think is the next best thing is to open a second one mm-hmm. and a third one and a fourth one. And Mark said in that interview best, like nothing is harder than doing the second club. Mm-hmm. Club number two in order to do... Because if you've done a great job <clears throat> and you are one of the few that are making 80 plus in a CrossFit box... And you're you're you and so you're killing it as in comparison to the majority, the and you decide I'm gonna I'm gonna get an, another gym. Well, what it took to make eighty to hundred in that facility was probably all of you and a, an incredible culture that you built within that facility. And so when you all of a sudden become divided between two, it's impossible to give each impossible. of those a hundred percent. So then you not only have to be a great operator and and a, and a great person that can can lead a facility then you have to be able to lead other leaders yeah. and duplicate delegate. yeah delegate and duplicate like that's not an easy task and rarely ever does that same person have that skill set all of those skill sets here's the advice i give people when they open up a, a gym and they want to open a second one i always say the same thing get to a point where you don't have to work in your gym first if you yeah. if your gym can succeed and make money and you're not there without you yeah. Then go and try and open one. So in other words, what you don't want to do is you don't want to be in a position where you're work working. And this is, by the way, when I say these numbers, I'm not just saying this is the, the you know, the, this is on the on the on the fringes. This is the average. If you're running a gym and you're making profit, not even a lot of money, just profit, you're probably in there on average 10 to 12 hours, six days a week at least. Okay, that's just the average. So if you can remove yourself from that gym and it's still profit. Now you can dedicate yourself to opening another gym. And, and that makes more sense than what I see a lot of guys doing where they, they're working 10 to 12 hours in the gym, they're making money, and then they try to open another one, and then they try and train and develop someone to run that other one. That is a very backwards way of doing it. What you should do is train and develop someone to run the one you're in. Right, and prove that you can be out of that one. Prove you can be out of that one, then move and open up another location and, uh, and see what happens. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But that's a huge that was a huge huge layoff, you know, yeah. a huge situation. That's a that's a big deal, dude. It's yeah. a it's a very big deal. The tide I, is turning. I, well, I what th- was the someone someone I read a stat was it on our forum? Someone posted that how many uh, how many shoulder tears or what happened in the games? Did you read that? Oh, pec Ooh. tears. Oh, it's twenty six. That's what it was. Oh wow, I didn't something see like that. that. 26. 20, 26 pec tears in the games. That's fucking incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
That's more. That's bro. If you compare it to every other sporting event, you know, football, it's like basketball, MMA. yeah, <laughs> bro, worse. Those are the only guys. That, that many injuries in one major event. Yeah. That I mean, that just goes to show you the the, the poor programming, even at the elite level, dude. Yeah. At the elite level, what are you doing having guys and girls do? dips for reps to that depth with that kind of weight and just insane and no fatigue. if you if we look at the classic strength it's about punishment if you look at the classic strength sports that are you know have relative popularity you have powerlifting and you have olympic weightlifting now both of which there are lots of injuries because these guys are maxing out however no, neither one of those sports is a reps to fatigue type of sport could yeah. you imagine if powerlifting <laughs> was a 15 reps to fatigue sport <laughs> yeah. with squats and deadlifts. Right. The injury rate would go through the roof. Right. Could you imagine if Olympic lifting in the Olympics was, rather than do one, you're doing as many 15, as you can. 20, or as, as many, many as you can, can for time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine as many as you can for time, you are going to fucking hurt yourself. Yeah. You should not. This is the biggest mistake that CrossFit ever made. And I can see Glassman's uh, rationale here because the guy is absolutely brilliant. He did create a brand that exploded, and he, he capitalized yeah, No on, one's denying that. Uh, no, the, the dude is brilliant, and his mark will be left on the fitness industry forever. For sure changed the fitness industry in a fundamental way, whatever happens across the not. And many positive ways, which we've talked about on yes, the show. I yes. mean, when you talk about getting people back into deadlifting and squatting. His name will be in the history books, you know, up there with Joe Gold and Mark Mastroff and, you know, all these other leaders. But one of the biggest mistakes that they ever did was reps to fatigue with complex lifts like Olympic lifts. That's insane it's, it's asinine no it's 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 plain stupid and i'll yeah. debate anybody on that you don't no, do is. you don't do an exercise that's so technical that is safe when perfect and, com and totally dangerous when it's off by it's even like a the little thinking bit. of it to me is just like well let's put you know something like maybe let's put like a weight vest on like for instance mm -hmm. let's, let's just put a fucking a lot more weight on you let's do like as much uh, weight as possible and see like what how many reps you can get and then have you do burpees and jump up yeah. and down it's, it's fucking stupid and aimless let's do back extensions to failure yeah do it all and do it all in a sauna it's you know it's funny because I you know I've been doing those all day I've been I tried those all day workouts again I did another one and you know the first one we did <coughs> uh, Jessica worked out with me and we're sitting there and we're postulating what the best exercises are and I'm still I'm still formulating what the best approach is with this but it, there's definitely something to it Anyhow, she says, I want to deadlift uh, for the first workout. You know, I want to, this is the first one we did. I want to deadlift. And, you know, we went back and forth and we had a little debate over it. And one of the reasons why she wants to deadlift is she wants her deadlift to go up. And she also wants to really focus on her posterior chain, in particular her glutes. And it's a glute heavy exercise. And I told her, I said, you know, deadlifts do not lend themselves well to fatigue. They just don't. It's not an exercise like squats. If you have good stable form, you could squat a lot and you could squat quite repetitively and you could do it over time and you know, you, you can get a lot of deadlifts, they really fuck you up. But you know, she she made her case and said, Okay, let's try it out and see what happens. And sure enough, by the last workout, the last workout, her back was getting tweaked and it was tweaked for a couple of days. And that's just well, there's a reason for that. You yeah, know that, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why deadlifting doesn't lend itself well in comparison to squatting because of think of where how the movement starts and where do you and when you break down what happens. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the hardest part of a deadlift is the very beginning of the movement is yeah. ripping off the floor, and if you're fatigued, that's where any sort of breakdown. So the first six inches of getting that weight off the floor, the first six inches in the squat is one of the safest times. Mm -hmm. You're decelerating. 
your body can normally hold four, can handle four times the load that you can do on the concentric motion on the eccentric. So going down with a load that you may not be able to get up, mm. your body will be able to control that. You can distribute that. that force a lot more Well, you can, con you can control it safely. And yeah. then when you get to the bottom, if you can't get back up, bailing on it is much easier. Right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and this, by the way, and you're, you're making great points, Adam, right? But if we really had to sit down and really explain it, where we're coming from is from experience. Because if you really break it down, you're like, well, you know, squats, you still use a lot of posterior change, still a lot of lower back involvement. But why is it so much, and it's not the safest, by the way, why is it so safe to do, you know, all day versus deadlift? It's hard to answer, but the answer comes from experience. I just know, because I've been doing this for so long, mm -hmm. that back extensions, good mornings, you know, uh, stiff-legged deadlifts and deadlifts, Probably not you good don't exercises. You want to do them to fatigue. Yeah, probably yeah. not good ones yeah. to do all day long right. in, in that kind of a structure. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. anyway, uh, but speaking of those all day workouts, I've been getting tagged. Probably, I see people doing them now. Bro, probably 15 times. 15 yeah. people have messaged well, me. Of course. And uh, I've had let me think one, two, four people who've hit PRs in different lifts, all of which they were already strong, fit people. So it wasn't like they were beginners and they hit a new part PR. Like one guy's deadlift. He was stuck at like 475. Another person's overhead press was stuck at 200 pounds. And every single person or all those people have had these these PR yeah. things. And then I had, I've had people message me that I'm not the first person to talk about doing that. Obviously, I knew that. But they're showing me who these other people are who have been talking about this thing for a while. So I've been doing more research. And uh, there's some, a lot of science to support you know that strategy. There's a lot of different approaches uh, to how you can apply it. So I'll keep everybody posted on what, you know, what it looks like and all that stuff. Well, we need to talk about as we approach the end of this competition and the end of this month because we have scheduled an all-day lift together, correct? I, th I think so. It should be in our Yeah, our, our I, I believe that's next Friday. I think we're seven days out for that. So okay. I do want to make sure that we communicate uh, where like what exercises you want to do so I don't fuck myself by training one of those the day. Oh, I see. Pick, I, you know, I would say pick whatever you want. I don't know. Like, like Okay, I, so maybe we do different stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd rather that. I'd rather do what I think is best for my body yeah. at that time. Because there's a different approach. The approach I've taken so far is I do these big gross motor movements, mm -hmm. and I do relatively low reps. I think high reps will probably just fry me. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm doing these big gross motor movements to get the most bang for the buck. And really my goal is to get stronger at them. But there's a lot of other approaches where people are picking body parts. So like I've been tagged and people say, oh, Rich Piana talks about doing a workout with for arms like that. And you know, other people are saying, oh, you could do that for a body part and bring uh, yeah. it up. Right. So another approach would be, you know, pick two or three body parts that you want to focus on and do more of a bodybuilder style all day workout where you might trying, do, I might do something like that. You know that. what I'm saying? I haven't tried it yet. So mm. I don't know, but it sounds interesting to me. If you, you know, yeah, if you really no, I'm it. I've been intrigued since the first time you did it. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how my body responds to it. And you know, I, I'm skeptical. I think that there's, I think that I can get the same type of gains by just increasing my volume over the course of a week that way too. So, mm. but I'm, I'm definitely down to do it. Let's sounds see. yeah, it sounds to me like a another way to like add a cooler like more advanced kind of technique into the arsenal right like we talked about like paps and like some other you know more advanced techniques that actually work to then you know maybe elevate you through to get you to the next platform as far as like okay i got a new pr mm -hmm. because i'm applying like some 
extra you know techniques that well, are a little more advanced if it if it works if it it's a, if it feels if i get the same experience that sal's getting from it and i'm blown away by it i already know why it's not popular it's not popular because it's just it's just too commit yeah how many based. people not a lot of people are willing to dedicate an entire day you would be or, surprised because you're right for the mainstream probably not but think about gym well, rats will be in yes there, yeah. i all i all i ever needed all he needs is another gym, excuse that's to it. fucking live there longer bro know? as a gym rat if, if i heard that this because I thought oh shit if well, I no, as, a, as, a, as a bodybuilder type of guy like 100% if I if 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 I feel the response see the response you're getting and have such positive I would do I because I've already done similar type stuff I mean I've been in the gym three times in a day yeah before. you told me about that one time I yeah, guess you were home yeah and, and it, that whole week that I had off where I was training like that where I was going in three times a day and I was just kind of breaking the workouts all now up. are you feeling better now like you you were a little bit sick there for Bro, a I, I don't know what it is I don't know if it's because I was supposed to be the lead horse in this whole fucking competition like i'm supposed to win that i got all <laughs> i get all the fucking disadvantages we, we, here we've been praying to give you pains. i don't know dude yeah. i feel like someone yeah. is fucking with me because i've been sprinkling viruses i mean last week yeah. i have the shoulder you're gonna have boils that next, was a little bit of a so setback you know. and i'm like motherfucker but then i still felt good i'm on pace and then i get hit with this stupid cold man and i'm, I'm like, getting it now so and, and what's you. really making me mad is that i've got it and I, you guys hang out too much. It's not keeping after me after hours. Yeah, it's the making out thing yeah. for sure. I, it's not keeping me from my daily work. And I even train the other day, but I'm a fr- I want to push. We're at the last week right now. Like if there's a time I want to scale some volume up, it's right now. And I'm like, I'm really nervous to do that. Also knowing that I'm also kind of depleted. Yeah. So I'm in. You this- know what I think killed you is your sleep because you had a few days there where you came in and you said your sleep was shitty. Yeah. And it was right after that you got sick. Ah, dude. That kills me too. If I'm if I'm my sleep is off, then. Are you doing the, the? Are you doing anything to help you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right away, I've kind of had like this protocol now, especially ever since we've been sponsored by Organifi. Like, I I take a probiotic, I take the green, and I take the red, and do the Christmas blend. So, and and really, what happens is I end up because I end up, when I'm not feeling good like this, I'm low calorie, I'm not getting a lot of nutrients, so I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm I'm worried that I'm not getting enough of vitamins and minerals that my body was needing at this time, especially in a in a depleted state, especially when I'm sick. And then I figure if I, you know, the probiotic thing, you know, if it's something that if my gut's at all off because of something that I ate the other day. So it's just kind of a, and I don't even know if it's, if it's something that I should be doing or is really helping me or not. It's Mm -hmm. just become a protocol that I do. And then I get the elderberry stuff. Elderberry. Elderberry stuff that, uh, with the Zeke lozengers from, um, whatchamacallit? Lozenge. Lozenge. (laughs) What did I say? Lozengers. (laughs) That's the guy that gives the lozenge. Oh my God, I love it. We're going to add two new words to the library. When when Adam's, one day when Adam's a billionaire, he's going to hire a guy that's going to be his lozenger. I'm getting sick. Lozenger. Lozenger. <laughs> Put it right in your mouth. Yeah. So that's my. That's what I'm fucking cloud. I'm cloudy too, right? Because yeah. I'm on cough syrup and shit. So that's no, my my boy's got it. He's got it pretty bad. So last yeah. night I gave him the. Oh, Taylor has it. Fighting it. Drew has it. Boom, coming back strong. It's going around. right No, now. I'm going to bed early right now. Yeah. Trying I didn't to, work out yesterday. Got some good sleep, and, and I feel like I kicked. You it. have yeah. a good immune system. Yeah, well, I have to I, give it some rest. Yeah, I gave my son the green juice, and then his poor kid, his nose was all stuffy, and he's 13 years old. So I'm like, all right, I can. I can give him the nasal decongestant. He's never used one of those before. And I knew it would blow him away because he couldn't breathe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, here, I'm going to squirt this in your nose. I want you to suck it up and, you know, and, and through your nose. And so he's like, what's he going to do? I'm like, just, you'll yeah, see what happens. It'll be fun. Yeah. So I do it and he's like, oh, it tastes so gross. And he's like coughing. And three minutes later, he looks at me. He's like, 
I feel like there's a big hole in my nose. I could breathe right, <laughs> so, yeah, right through. He's like, why don't I just use this all day? I said, calm down, yeah. buddy. I said, you use this all the time. You ever use a, a nasal decongestant oh, too well, often? Bro, those are bad. Those are, You can get addicted to those. Bro, really quick. I did get addicted to those. I did it you once. You start to ramp up how many you're doing. Oh, your sinuses seal like a fucking it's dolphin's like asshole. after a while. Yeah, you're just, your nose, you can't even get, nothing goes through because it just, <laughs> and you're like, eh. You're yeah. fucked. So, but I saw you know what I use. I've only it, done it once. That's a a better natural way to do get the same kind of effect. Those cocaine. The, n- yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that yeah, opens that it is, right. Yeah, up. It's, it's a little. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's a, you know what that drip? That's the same feeling that you get, right? Is there. it really? But yeah, that's the uh, same drip that uh, you get. Oh yeah. Okay. The strip <laughs> is what. What you haven't done cocaine? I had not yet. Oh wow! It's <laughs> on my he's, list. He said not yet. He's all. He's all. It's Saturday. Saturday. I actually, I actually had this this drug talk with my my nephew last. Last night I was talking to him and he came to me for help, nutrition, stuff like that. And we got on this kick about talking about drugs and stuff. And I was in a, I don't know how I got there, but he's like, have you? And I'm like, I've pretty much tried almost everything. I said, I haven't done anything crazy. I haven't fucked with like heroin. I said, there's no reason for me to go that strong of a drug like that. I said, but I've definitely done opiates. So, but, and everything else uh, under the sun. And I said, but what I did was I, I waited until I was like in my late twenties. I was a total straight edge don't, and, and the reason why I was, and the same reason why he is, like he's totally this way too, is, you know, him and I both have family members very close to us that we've seen battle drug addiction. Oh, so you were just so opposed. So opposed to yeah. it. I was so opposed of drugs because of my experience with my family that I hated it. I was anti it. Anyone who did it was a loser. And it wasn't until I got older and more self-aware and realized that that's my own experience that's causing this judgment on it. And I had that even that the same attitude towards even towards the, as light as marijuana. You Isn't know? that funny how that it, you if you're around it all the time when you're a kid, you will either become an addict or you're going to become like that. Yeah. Like, those are the two people I always meet. No, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Almost every and everybody in our family is like that. Either you're what you're way extreme, one or the other. Either one you've you've gone down that path and you've battled with it big time, or two you're on the other side of it and you're and you're super anti it. And then I got older and I just. You know, I've, I've asked myself, I've seen enough people that I, that I, responsible people that I know that like, oh shit, they've done this, they've done that. And this guy's got his shit together. This girl's got her shit together. Like, okay. And then I, I felt like, okay, I'm in a place in my life where I feel comfortable that I could try something and I'm not going to fall down this addiction trap. And because I was so afraid of, of that, I did. And so I, him and I were having this talk. He's 22 years old right now and he's started his career and he's making good money now and he's responsible and he's always kind of had that attitude. And I said, you know, I said, I said, drugs have gotten a really bad rap because people, people end up irresponsible. People take them a majority of the time. And I said, you know, that's, and I by far don't recommend you doing anything, but I said, I think that your attitude towards it has been shaped because of your experiences with your family, like mine. And so I can honesty is the best. Honesty is the best. Policy. Yeah, and, th- and this is what I was telling him. I said, you know, I think it's I think it's also wrong when people say like, oh, it's this all this so bad, and this will kill you, and this will do that to you. It's like, well, no, it's not. There's a reason why so many people do it and they get addicted to it is because there are certain parts about it that people are like, holy shit, that was fun as fuck, or that was amazing. But that's also what leads to them. Oh, I know where we had, we went down this path talking about steroids. Because mm. he's asking me about, you know, well, you know, Uncle, what do you think about, 
you know, I know that you were like taking a therapeutic dose. Like, could you take a therapeutic dose for the rest of your life? I said, yeah, I mean, technically I could. I mean, we know we have stuff. We have people that have been taking it for 30, 40, 50 plus years of their life. And if you have abnormally low testosterone, you could argue that it would be healthier for you to take a therapeutic dose to keep you there. I said, but most people don't need to take it. I said, I needed to take it because I fucked around with, with steroids when I was younger. And then now I put myself in this predicament. I said, so... But that's where you got to be careful because that's how I said all my buddies that I know that compete or in a bodybuilding or in that world or that consistently take steroids, they all start off with, I'll just take a little bit. And then they see the gains. They see, the, they see how good they feel. They feel amazing. And then they take a little bit more. And then next year, they take a little bit more. And then, and then before long, they're consistently taking this. And then they're starting to take these doses that are extremely high just to get the same feeling and response. I said, they're all, all these drugs are the same way. So we can compare steroids to cocaine to all these things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it starts off for everybody as a, oh, it's not so bad. Let me try one little thing. And that's where, you know, before you ever even think about experiencing anything like that, you do your homework, you do your research, and then you become aware of that, that that's, that's the path, how it goes. Yeah. It starts off. I, it's funny. I had, a, I had a conversation about drugs with my son last night. He was actually asking me about all kinds of shit because I told him, he said, you could ask me anything. He's like, okay. Well, why did you and mom get divorced? I'm like, oh, here we go. So, you know, we went down that road. First question, huh? Yeah, and he's like, you know, well, tell me more about sex. And we went down that. And then he's like, all right, well, you know, drugs. Like, why do people do them if they're so bad? And so, but I think the best policy is to be honest because he's going to (laughs) learn the truth anyway. And what I don't want is to get later on and be like, oh, my dad was bullshitting me or what I thought was true isn't true. Right. And let me figure out the truth for myself. You want them to be as informed as possible so they can make the best decision. And And my belief is if somebody's confident, if they feel good about themselves, if they have purpose, then they're more often than not going to make better decisions for themselves. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. my belief. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Parlor Life. I feel like intuitive eating is this mythical place where your diet is all figured out. It's a unicorn. Do you feel that way or do you see it is more of a nutrition journey that is constantly evolving? The the latter, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions around intuitive eating. First off, it's It's called- It's partially your fault. It's called intuitive (laughs) eating. You know why? You're right. Partially is my fault because- I'm glad you owned that. We've been taught, people have been taught for so long- that you find a diet that works for you, and mm-hmm. then that's the one that works for you. Right, or right. you count macros, and now and we're trying to break free of that. Now everything's solved for yeah. you. Now, the reason why I talk so much about intuitive eating is because real life is different than you right. know getting ready for a competition or counting macros or going to, on a diet to lose weight. The reason why intuitive eating is intuitive is because everything changes all the time. Yeah. The circumstances of your life change all the time. Everything from your job to the stresses, your sleep, lack of sleep, your your job, your workouts. Are you sick? Are you not sick? Maybe now you have gut issues. Maybe now you have some you know some other problems going on. Um, then you know on top of that, your body changes all the time. L- listen, and, and li- your diet has to follow it. Your yeah, diet is another way of defining like flexibility, right? And, and, you need flexibility in your life, especially with nutrition. Intuitive eating is kind of like juggling knives with a blindfold. What? Just, Whoa. <laughs> 
It's like juggling knives that's blindfolded. What, that's almost ramp water. That's yes, what it is. No. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is not. Let me let me explain. I can explain my analogies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the reason why it's like juggling knives with blindfolded is because first of all, okay, most people shouldn't be doing it. If you've been and if you have been okay, I get that if you've been practicing juggling your whole life and you could do it with your eyes closed, like the fucking people that you see when you go to the circus and they do these things. Those people could do that with their eyes closed. It's not a big deal because they've done it so many times with their eyes open. So trying to get into, and I had this exact conversation with my nephew last night because we were talking about nutrition. He listens to the show and he and he keeps using the word intuitive eating because I know he's heard fucking Sal use it so much. And he's just like, yeah, I know I've, I've been intuitive. I'm like, no, you have no business intuitive eating right now. <laughs> you don't even know what the fuck your body needs right now. You're not yeah. even there yet. You, like, you gone have, through the process. You yet. haven't gone through the steps to get there. Now, intuitive eating is 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 a place that we're working towards, with knowing that you'll probably never fully reach there, including ourselves, including myself. It, every, every time I go on a every time I'm in a new situation right now, like I'm going through. If I were to try to intuitive eat. In the current situation I'm in right now, I would be fucked, and I'll tell you why. You, you are intuitive eating right now. You absolutely are. Doesn't mean you're, you're intuitive eating. Doesn't mean you don't count. But let me ask you a question, right? How do you know when you're? How do you know your calories are right? How do you know you're eating enough or not eating enough? How do you know you're eating enough mm -hmm. to get lean but not hammer your metabolism? It's intuitive eating is listening to your body. Yeah. That's all it is. The problem is. Nobody knows how to listen to the, or a lot of people know how to listen to your body. And the reason why it's not a destination that you ever get to is because it's not a destination. It's a process, always, always evolving. Step one is learn how to listen to your body. And the problem is most people don't know what that is. So I don't know if, I don't know if that's step one. Step one to me is because once you learn to listen to your body, if you have nothing to reference, and know what your body is telling you when you're doing X. That's part of listening to your body. It's well, all part of it. Well, yeah. I mean, so listening to your body is not step one. Step one is fucking track. Mm -hmm. Well, that's step, how. You, that's part of how you start. Step one is track. You, right. you, you don't even know how to listen to your body until you start right. paying attention to what you're doing. And, be, and then step two is be consistent with whatever it is that you're doing. Whatever that is, whatever your calorie intake, whatever your movement, whatever your training program is, be consistent. Now let's talk about yeah. listening to your body and paying attention to, oh, wow, when I have days like this, when I eat this and I have this many calories and I have this many carbs and I have this much fat, I feel this in my workout. I notice this with my sleep. I notice this with my mood. I notice this with my energy. Oh, shit, look at this. I had a day where I did this and now I feel and notice this and this and this. And you start to make, you cannot make those connections until you first right. track and figure out. Of course, you well, have otherwise to. Otherwise, it's aimless. Like, you, yeah, you need yeah. reference points. Or, or, else, or yeah. else you're just a fucking guesser. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Well, well that's not, a, that's, that, that's the thing. You have to, and now when you say track, I think people need to understand there's a lot more than just macros and food that you're tracking. You're also, you also should, and I just what I recommend clients do, is that they keep a journal. Mm -hmm. You have to keep a journal to, you can't just look at your calories and macros. You also have to connect that to, Okay, uh, my energy today was like this. I felt irritable. My digestion was off. I went to the bathroom, you know, two yeah. times instead of three times. Terrible sleep, uh, you know, whatever. My skin is off. Because here's the thing. Most people connect food to maybe one, well, definitely one thing and sometimes two things. And the first thing that everybody connects food to is how's it taste? That's an easy one. Like, oh, I like that one or I don't like that one. Then it get a little bit more sophisticated. People will connect it to how their stomach feels immediately after they eat. But it's very... 
uh, generic in the sense that if it makes them, if it really fucks up their stomach, they know everything else they really don't pay attention to. And that's pretty much it. Like I've, I've worked with people where they'll say things like, oh, you know, I'll say, can you have dairy? And they'll say, well, it kind of gives me a little bit of gas, but other than that, I can have dairy. Then we'll start tracking. They'll start keeping notes in their journal and then they'll notice, oh, it's not just bloating. It affects my sleep. And then I break out two days mm-hmm. later. I've now mm-hmm. made that connection. So it's like, okay, now you're understanding that there's a lot more than just these immediate signs. That well, in to- a sense, to me, it's, it's more of like getting faster at problem solving, you know? And so if, if I'm intuitively uh, going, like approaching nutrition, I've already done those steps. Like Adam's mentioning, I already have like answers for scenarios and situations and there's formulas out there to reference. And so now my, uh, you know, my process going forward, whether you, whatever you fuck you want to call it being flexible or, or intuitive or whatever, it's understanding that like, okay, this variable here, I have, you know, this approach and I'm going to apply this approach to that now, or I'm going to move in this direction because now my body's telling me this or whatever. So it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, like you can't just get stuck in one method. Like you need a lot more no. uh, I, tools in your toolbox. I also think that if you're going to do this intuitive eating approach, then you have to be okay with the fact that you could go weeks and not see results. Because I think you have people that are like, hey, I want change. I want to see, I want to lose 10 pounds. But then I also want to do this intuitive eating that you're talking about. And that's just what you're asking yourself is crazy to me. It's crazy to think that you're going to set a goal of moving your 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 body composition, whether it be building muscle, burning body fat. At the same time, I'm going to teach myself to intuitive eat. That's just crazy. Right, let, to me, me. let me let me let me. I'm going to explain it uh, a little bit more clear because there's a lot of confusion around intuitive eating. Okay, there's tons and tons of confusion. That's why we wrote for, a guide. For, first off, in, in, it's true. Shameless plug. Intuitive yeah. intuitive eating doesn't mean you don't use tools. Okay, so what that means is intuitive eating isn't like I have all the answers in my mind and I close my mind my right. eyes and then I know. Yeah, you can trick yourself. I'll give you an example. Okay, if you have a mechanic with 25 years of experience working on cars and you bring your car to him and you've got a problem, he's intuitive enough to know which tools he's going to use to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get the tire pressure gauge out when he hears a sign that he a sound that he knows has to do with something having to do with the transmission. Doesn't know exactly what it is. But he knows the direction to go and what tools to use. When you get to that point where you understand what to listen to, if I have an issue, I have a problem with my body, or if I want to get leaner, or if I want to build more muscle, I know my inflammation. There's a strategy. I have all these tools, and I know which ones I can probably apply to figure things out. It just all it is really is just getting better at feeding yourself what you want. That's all it is. And if you've been Here's the thing. If you've been tracking your food for a very, very long time, but you get stuck on, I got to get my macros, got to my, my calories, you're going to have a problem and you're not going to be very good at it. Now, if you did it like Adam, where he tracked his macros, but he also paid attention to things like, well, it looks like, you've said this several times, Adam, it looks like when I eat the exact same macros, but if I eat more processed food versus all whole natural foods, I feel better, I'm stronger, and I seem to hold a little bit less water. That's intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is not magic, and it's not not using it's tools. paying attention. It's literally, you have a toolbox in front of you, which includes everything from keto to paleo to elimination diet to more calories, less calories, carbs, proteins, fats, you know, uh, gluten-free, FODMAP, whatever. You have all these tools in your toolbox. You know where to look, which ones to apply, and if you want to get leaner, I'm going to try these ones because I think I know how my body works. Oh, that's not working. Now I can go in this direction. 
or if I want to build more muscle, or if I just want to be healthier. Mm. I'll give you a great example. You know, for for maybe two years, my diet was largely keto style. Now I'm not gonna say totally keto because there were definitely times when I went out of it, but it was largely keto. Now that was a tool that I had in my toolbox that I used to manage issues with my gut. And, it, and I knew this because I knew how my, my gut reacted and responded to starches and carbohydrates, in particular gluten, uh, you know, gluten types of carbohydrates, but also with other types of starches. And so I went keto. Now, was that ideal for, for muscle building? Well, no, but that was a lower priority because I'm not going to build muscle if I'm not healthy. So it's not like I can go for the muscle without that. I had to go for health, right? Mm-hmm. So I used that tool. And then intuitively, I, I noticed that when I would go for longer periods without food, my symptoms seemed to get better, and then I could introduce carbohydrates a little bit more frequently. And I would experiment with 15-hour fast, 24-hour fast, and then it was, I don't know how long ago it was, seven or eight months, I said, I wonder if I go 48 to 72 hours. Mm. And that was just me understanding which tools to use. And guess guess what? Lo and behold, you know, a once-a-month, 72-hour fast for me, about six months in a row, <laughs> one of the most effective things I could do for my body, now if you're listening right now, may not work for your body, and that's where the intuitive part comes in, but I did it for myself, and now I'm at a point where we're doing the six-week contest and I'm eating starches and in, in carbs. I'm not having to do a fast. And my gut health is is phenomenal. I wouldn't be in this point had I not understood which tools to use. I could have done what a lot of people do, which is where they get stuck in something where I'm like, no, keto is the only thing that works for me. Yeah, That's all I ever do. That's the only thing that manages my, my, my issues. I'm, and now I'm bought into and married to keto and I'm going to do it forever. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens when you do something for too long when it, it stops working for you because your body changes? You start to get, I've, you know how many times I've had people tell me, you know, oh, I have all these gut issues and, and, or I've had all these skin issues, but you know, this diet worked so great for me six months ago. And it's like, I want to tell them like, well, guess what? It's not working for yeah. you right now. Well, you've this, changed. This is where I, I remember when we, when we did the guide and I remember struggling with the name intuitive eating because I remember like, you know, this is what I was worried about was that people would take this and use it as a, an excuse to follow a diet where they don't have to track or do anything. It's like, oh, intuitive. That's that's where I want to be. I don't I'll want, eat what I feel like. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to be like <laughs> yeah. those weirdos that track their food and weigh and measure. I would never want to be like them. But I would. Yeah, intuitive eating. That sounds. That sounds good to me. Where I just try and figure out to listen to my body. Most like, Americans intuitive eat in that way. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, they do. That's. I feel like eating this. I feel like eating that. You know. You know, and it. it yeah. And it's a. It's always. Some it's always right a now. moving target, man. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times. I mean, I've been juggling knives for 15 years of my life, and every time I blindfold myself, I get fucking cut, dude. I always do. And it's because, not in a good way either. No, you know every single Is time. A good way. No, yeah, that yeah, cut. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not yeah, not really. Wow, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't receive that <laughs> one. <laughs> I got to do one one per episode. That's my goal. <laughs> Justin, you're, you got to be on my back. Well, there's good cuts. Well, you uh, lost uh, me. You lost me too. Uh, I was thinking like, how does it? How is I getting good? It. Yeah, <laughs> slashing so, myself. And and I mean, what happened to me right now? Right. So uh, you know, even all the years that I've tracked, like I know how fats affect my body. I know I know how almost every food that I've ever consumed kind of affects my body because I've tracked so diligently for so long, but yet I'm in a whole new place right now than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I and, and I've never been here hormonally. I've never been here activity level wise. I've never been, I've never been here without, I mean, I haven't been in this place also with no anabolics. You're a different age. Yeah. 
There's so things. many different variables that, and it's. Let me tell you, it, I'm I'm blown away by what I'm having to do in this competition. Well, to, but the intuitive part is realizing that your body's different and now you're learning to figure it out. Right. That's the intuitive part that I'm talking right. about. You're figuring out which screws to tighten. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, you wouldn't... I mean, look, at you're you're doing an amazing job with a completely different circumstance. The intuitive aspect of it is what's helping you. If you were just like... Look, if you're every other Joe Schmo, you know, uh, calorie and macro counter, you know what you'd be doing right now? What's always worked for you, which mm-hmm. wouldn't be working for you now. Right. And you'd be like, what the hell's going on? Why is it I'd this working for I'd be so mad if my name was Joe Schmo. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it was a lot of those. Fuck. Isn't a Schmo like a slang word for a, a guy who gets like a... a smuck? Like, no, no, no. Schmoes, I think... What is a Schmo? Dudes that hire uh, prostitutes. What? Oh, yeah, really? Them, no, that's a, no, 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 that's, that's a John. A that's a John. I think it's uh, also yeah. a Schmo. A John Schmo? I don't know. <laughs> I've always wanted to know. No, a John, anyway, a John, a John who gets a, is who gets a prostitute. Yeah, I don't know what I, a sh- I don't know what a yeah. Schmo is. Yeah, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. My bad. You know what I'm excited about though, like uh to to keep on this intuitive thing. Like <laughs> I I actually <laughs> you guys remember Neutrino and you remember that that company. Like right. I honestly think they were the closest I've seen to kind of try and aggregate all these variables. Like they're they're trying really hard to provide all these tools like you know even with genetics and you know like you mentioned FODMAPs and you know like lots of ways of like you know like figuring out uh, your body so specifically on that level it's like that's that's the goal for everybody. The goal yeah. for everybody is to really aggregate as much information as possible, so you can you know like problem solve. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's paint the picture of the average you know American schmo individual. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. which schmo? We got <laughs> schmo. Hold, 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 hold that thought. An ordinary stupid person. That's yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, uh, the, the average person's not stupid, but the average person. This is their life. They they're born, and every day and forever. They most likely, because we're a wealthy country, eat every day. So they have food or meals every day, two to three every day, sometimes more with snacks. And the food that they're given and the food that they eat, some of it's based on what maybe their parents think is healthy, but a lot of it's based on what they will eat and what they won't eat. So if they're little kids, they're right away they're taught, well, if I like the taste of something, I'm going to get more of that. And if I don't like the taste of something, I'm going to get less of that. Then, of course, as they get older and they have more of that autonomy, that's the decision-making that they go through with food. It's all about what tastes good and what doesn't taste good. And they've never really truly felt hunger because they've had food every single day. And it takes, honest to God, it takes about two or three days before you start, to, or long you know, periods of dieting, for you to really feel what hunger feels like. And so it's all based off of emotion and cravings well, and context. And it's very difficult for people to intuitive eat from there because... It's like you've had, you know, plugs in your ears and blindfolds your your, your entire life, and yeah. now we're telling you to do all this other stuff. You just don't. You just don't. Well, know. Let, let me let me define what my my nephew was because he kept throwing, he kept using the word intuitive, and I was just fine. Well, explain that to me. What do you mean by your intuitive eating now? Because you hear it on the podcast, and you're you're doing that now. You, said, you know, I said, give me an example in your day that you're now applying this newfound term you're using for mind pump. And he said, you know, normally at work, what we do is we, you know, the guys we all go to uh, lunch. You know, pizza my heart's been a staple thing, and I go get two big slices of pizza my heart and a soda, and I wash it down. That's what I normally would do. He goes, and so I'm trying to intuitive eat right right now. So today, what I did instead of going there, I made the decision to go to Chipotle, and I had a chicken salad. And I said, now here's the problem with that, is because you don't know a baseline, you didn't track what you've been consistently doing since you for, since you to put you at the weight you're at right now, and what your body potentially needs to sustain where you're at right now. 
you may have just reduced your daily caloric intake from four or five thousand calories down to twelve hundred to fifteen hundred calories by a dramatic drop by intuitive eating. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to see weight loss. You're going to lose weight in the next two weeks. And then what's going to happen after you? Because he's got 60 he wants to drop. Mm -hmm. So after we lose your first 10 to 15 pounds and you start that progress starts to slow down, where do we go from there? Mm -hmm. And that's the problem that I have with people thinking that they're in a place to intuit. That is not a smart, intuitive way to eat right there. In fact, he's just trying to he's what he's doing is he's just trying to make better choices based on his knowledge. Right. Yeah. And that and there and there is where like most people are just not in a place to do this this way of intuitive or what I think yeah, most people need more information. That's it. You, yes, you need more. You need more information, and you need a baseline. So if you're somebody listening right now, and you're about to go on, you know, I'm going to start eating right, and you were going to do this intuitive process, but you haven't tracked your base. And this, as he sat down, he told me, he's like, you know, I know what you're going to tell me, and I really just want you to tell me what to eat. And I said, you can't even tell him, right? This is what I said. I said, yeah. well, what would you like? He says, well, I just want you to give. Like, I'm already, I'm already, and as we kept saying, intuitive eating. And I made him explain. I'm already eating, so you're eating better, right? So you're eating better choices than what you were eating before. But the problem with that is, is I'm telling you, nephew, what you don't know is you don't know how dramatically you're cutting your calories right now when you don't need to. And you guys have heard, we've talked about this on the show, like whenever I take somebody who's in a fat loss client, the first thing we do is not cut we calories. We add food. We add food. Yeah. You know, we get rid of the, so he had 15, you know, I told him, I said, you know, your, your Chipotle, Chipotle meal should have been a double steak burrito bowl plus a scoop of guacamole on it because you were just before that eating 2,000 calories of pizza and another 500 calories of soda and you're and now you're replacing that. You can't replace that with a 400 set 400 calorie salad. Yeah. Like are you kidding me? Like you're 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 missing out on so many nutrients that your your body needs and that that dramatic drop of too calories. Big of a drop. Yeah, way too much. And that's just one meal we're discussing. So now he's doing this all day long, you know? So how many other choices are you are you taking? Oh, so and before you were snacking having a, a bag of chips from, you know, snack till lunchtime and now you've cut that out and you just yeah. decide not to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, dude. Yeah. Like no, like no, instead you- of that, let's have like three hard boiled eggs and maybe some almonds or something. Like let's let's replace the bad choices with good choices and keep the calories up just give it more nutrient dense foods we introduce weight training which you weren't doing consistently before so now any sort of any sort of calorie intake that you're doing that could potentially go as a surplus is going to get allocated over to building muscle which is internally going to help us speed up your metabolism to eventually reverse you back down and bring calories out look there's, there's that was four, a great rant there, yeah it was excellent there's yeah, four I'm off my soap there's four <laughs> stages of learning for anything including nutrition but this applies to anything. And the first stage of learning is not knowing what you don't know. You know, what do they call unconscious incompetence? You don't know what you don't know. And that's why you have to track because you don't have any idea. Most people, they have a particular goal. They want to improve their health. They want to lose weight or they want to build muscle. And they don't know how many calories they're eating every day. They don't know how many grams of proteins, fats, and carbs they're eating every day. They don't know what's affecting them how because they've only connected food to taste and maybe some immediate gastro issues. Mm -hmm. And so they're in a state of, of unconscious incompetence. Tracking helps to bring you to the next two stages. Then you move to conscious incompetence. Once you start tracking, 
what ends up happening is you look at your diet and you go, oh, fuck, I don't know all this stuff. Now you know what you don't know. Yeah. Then you get to conscious competence where you have to pay attention. I have to add this up. I have oh, to get these up. Even add- on another level, even going through like this sort of elimination carnivore meat you know, process is like I, it's so revealing as far as like certain foods I was eating all the time that you know are problematic, you know, reintroducing them. So it's like there's just so many things to constantly learn. And right. You have to be open to uh, going through that process even when... When you think you've mastered it, you have right, to constantly right, learn. Right. And then the last stage is the unconscious competence where it becomes less of a conscious thought and more of a understanding of how your body works and where you need to do things and what where I need to apply certain tools. And it's a, it's a it's and definitely that, a that's, process. That's the intuitive place. Right. That to me is is when 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 I define or I think of the word intuitive and where we're we're trying, we're all seeking in our nutrition journey, that's where it's at is when you are very aware of what's going on. And and if you have not figured your baseline, so if you're listening right now and you are about to get on your kick and you want to lose body fat, the first goal should be to find out what it takes to sustain your body where it's currently at. Yeah, get out of the unconscious incompetence. Yes, stage. get out of that. Just become aware of what you're really doing. And and people think they're aware of what they're doing because they're like, oh, where's, I know what I'm doing. home base? They're like, I know what I'm doing. I'm eating pizza and soda and I'm skipping meals and I'm eating this garbage and I'm not exercising. I know what I'm doing, Adam. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't know exactly where you're at. You don't know what a high day of movement it is, what a low day of movement is. You need to figure out at least where you're at. And you don't need to make any crazy change at first. You just need to know where you're at so then you have a better idea where to go from there. Next question is from Gary Pratt. What do you guys think about Mark Sisson saying a slow metabolism is the key for longevity and most animals with slower metabolisms Live longer. So, I knew. I knew he said this. Yeah, yeah, I knew. I, well, you this know is what? a common. This is so a common. All be sloths. This is a what? common um, understanding, and that's because the research. And this is why you, you got to sometimes look at science, but you also have to apply experience, and that's where you get uh, wisdom. And Mark Sisson is definitely talking about the science, and the science is relatively clear. It's not crystal clear, but it's there's some relative clarity that shows that a slower metabolism with more of an efficient metabolism and feeding animals less or low calories extends lifespan. And we've we've demonstrated this in, in a few uh, different animals and a few different creatures and studies. And with humans, it seems to be true as well. Now, here's where I'm I wonder gonna- if those animals would have the same success if there was a 7-Eleven on every corner that they could access. Yeah. What yeah. do you think? Context matters. Fucking A, it matters, Context dude. matters. This, and, and you know what? And this is the thing that I have with the the primal eating and the paleo and talking about. It's We're not in that time. Yes, we evolved from that. Yes, there's some great things to pull from that. But guess what? We live in modern times and we live in a time where 90% of the battle I have with clients is not is not this. It's the, the, the mental discipline to stay away from all the the wines and the chocolates and the candies and the drive-throughs like and all the treats and the shit that you have like in real life today you're getting bombarded with all this shit. Like back then you didn't get bombarded with this in, stuff. In the context of modern life, in the context of the you know the life that most of you listening or probably all of you listening right now live in a slow metabolism would probably mean that you're going to be overweight okay because we don't move much throughout the yeah. day even if you do calories an, are easily accessible yeah, even if you do an hour cardio day you're not moving much because your job involved like you drive your vault your job involves sitting down and then at night you probably sit down uh, to eat and then sit down on the couch or whatever even if you do an hour cardio day 
You're just not moving that much. Number two, food is everywhere. And it's not just food. It's food that's hyper palatable. Combinations of flavors, check textures, smells, uh, packaging, you know, advertising that makes food hyper palatable. So you're living in this world of incredible uh, plenty and of incredible lack of activity. Having a slow metabolism in that context for most people is a disaster because if you're the average man and your metabolism is, and you've got this great, you know, long, you know, like he's saying, longevity metabolism where your body's super efficient because that's what a slow metabolism really is. It's just an efficient metabolism. If your metabolism is super efficient and you're burning 1,500 calories a day, well, I guess you're okay if you eat 1,500 calories a day. But if yeah. you're the average man, that's very difficult to do all the time. So what will end up happening is you're just going to- That's like a half meal for me. Yeah, you're going to be overweight. <laughs> you're probably going to be overweight. Now, here's the, and here's the thing. We have to weigh these things out. Do the benefits of having a slow metabolism, the potential longevity benefits, outweigh the risks and dangers of obesity- um, uh, you know, and all the problems of, of overconsumption. Obviously not. I don't it's, think it's so. obvious. It's obvious by no. what the statistics show with obesity in our nation. Right. Yeah. That, right. That's there's your test right there. That right, it's right. not a good. It's not good. Right. We we don't have fast enough metabolisms in our in our society because people are, are constantly overconsuming. That's right. And I, then the other thing too, I want to I want to you know uh, point out with this this whole debate about you know metabolisms. There's another aspect to to life that a lot of these health and wellness gurus don't talk about, okay? Because Mark, very, very smart dude, looks phenomenal. I know he's on testosterone replacement therapy, but he yeah. still looks phenomenal, whatever. But he's, he's, a, he's an outlier. Here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the other thing that people don't consider is quality of life, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you can add five years to your life but eat 1,000 calories a day, first of all, how are you going to feel eating 1,000 calories a day? Oh, yeah. How's your performance going to – I know how I feel when I eat 1,000 calories a day. I don't want to do much of anything. Yeah, I, you know, like I know that, you know, once a month or well, once every other month. Well, eventually the body would adapt and you would feel fine even at – which is probably where his debate and his argument comes from. But the argument stays, and we don't even need to make any more of an argument than the point that you made, which is just simply in modern times, like – 99.9% of every person that I've ever trained, there's they, they at one point they're going to want to have a, a one thing of popcorn when they go to a movie one time, or they're going to want to have a glass of wine right. or two with their, their wife at dinner every once that's in a while. That's the quality of life I'm talking yes, about. Yes, and th that that's the argument right there. That's what I'm saying. And so a bunch of apes, you know, 10,000 years ago don't have access to all that. And so in that in that case, where they're all eating the exact same thing and their options are limited to a handful of foods, then absolutely it is advantageous for them to have a slower metabolism so they live longer. Right, right. But right. we're not we're not fucking apes from ten thousand years ago. We've evolved. Well, I'd like to also ask him. That is, then, if we're even, a, even yeah, that. I'd also like to ask him then the same question, or, or I'd flip this question. I'd say, well, you know, strength training or building lots of muscle probably isn't as advantageous as having a little bit of muscle and having lots of endurance and stamina. And this is because humans evolve probably having a shit ton of stamina and endurance. We can out-trek almost any animal, and we're really not physically strong if you compare us to any primate. I mean, a, a, you know, a 90-pound orangutan will, you know, rip your arms right out of your socket. So we're not super strong at all. But I'll ask him, why do you lift so much weights then? He does. He lifts a lot of weights. Why do you lift so much weights if, if, if longevity is key? Well, you want quality of life. You like having strong muscular body. It feels good and things look good. And so that quality of life is, is really important. And look, every other weekend or every week, excuse me, every other month or every month, I like to go out with my girlfriend. I like to drink. 
I like to eat certain foods, and I would and I would I want a faster metabolism because it is a fantastic insurance against modern life. Mm-hmm. You know what's a terrible insurance against modern life? A slow metabolism. I've trained lots of people with slow metabolism, yeah. and I could tell them, hey, guess what? You know, Mrs. Johnson, your you know your basal metabolic rate is twelve hundred calories a day. That's awesome. You have great longevity. All you gotta do is eat twelve hundred calories every single day. <laughs> yeah, for the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't. It's sorry. You know what? Yeah. You know what works better yeah. is that when I tell Mrs. Johnson, "Look, your twelve hundred calories a day is your, your basal metabolic rate. I want to get your metabolism way faster so that you can live a relatively normal life and enjoy yourself." And it's a it's a it's an insurance against modern now, life. Now, I think that this this statement is a a counter statement to the Lane Nortons and stuff that pushed the reverse dieting right mm. really hard right yeah, so yeah, yeah. and and I think I think the answer really lies somewhere in between the two of them I really don't I I really don't I think that Mark's idea is is one extreme I think Lane's idea of constantly trying to increase reverse reverse and keep getting as high as high as high as you possibly can could also not be advantageous. You're probably somewhere in the middle. You know where you get a lot of benefits of so what they're seeing with the benefits of the low the, the low calories for long periods of time. If you did some is it less stress on the organs and the, right. you know overall well, less think about energy turnover joints yeah, and all that stuff. Well, think about what oh, I've and I've brought this up because no one really talks too much about this. I mean, the digestive system is another system, just like every other system yeah. in our body. And if it has to work all the time and right. work hard, you would think that it would get overworked, overused, and eventually break down and not be as efficient. So not making it have to work so hard a lot makes sense that it would yeah. would, would, would would it's just like not driving your car a ton yeah. like yeah. Well, if your car is going to last 20 30 40 years we'll put it in the driveway drive it once a week yeah. how, how long do you think it last yeah. versus driving it every single day for 100 and miles with the, again with that right. mentality i wouldn't lift heavy weights ever right i would right. just do only mobility yoga right. and yeah, very lightweight yeah, exactly and you know and here's the thing you if you want Blow a lot of the be- wind if you want a lot of the longevity benefits and you want a faster metabolism the research coming out in fasting is Absolutely phenomenal and breakthrough, and a few, you know, a couple or a few well planned mm-hmm. fasts, yeah, long for, fasts for health. Yeah, for health, 48, 72 hours, or maybe longer if you're you know experienced and you've got good health, will probably give you the benefits of a you know low calorie all the time type of diet. Maybe even better. You know, I know Dr. Walter Longo recommends like every six months or so. To do a long fast, I've been doing them, you know, roughly once a month, and I can feel the benefits. But but also, these intermittent type long fasts don't hammer your metabolism like going low calories will all the time. And so I don't know about you, but I would rather every once in a while go for two or three days without food versus just eating fifteen hundred yeah. calories every single day. Yeah, forever to uh, work yeah. on my longevity. Much more appealing, much more flexible. Next question is from Tim Imbo. Sal, what were some of your stomach digestion symptoms that were red flags to you? What were some of the first steps you took to resolving? You know, it's we you know we talk about the gut quite a bit on the show. Part of it because I've had gut issues, but also because I think it was an underrepresented topic in the fitness industry. Much more so now. I don't know if you guys would agree. I think a lot more people now in our space talk about gut health, but. When we first started out, yeah, it's gaining and, popularity, and we brought this up, there was nobody in the muscle building, you know, fitness type world that that talked about this, and I, I think that was a big problem. Here's the thing with your with your digestive system: the inside of your body, if you were to stretch out your intestines and all this stuff, it's a massive membrane. It's huge. Your intestines are very long. If you open it up and stretch it out, there's more surface area on the inside of your body than there is on the outside of your body. Now, the inside of your body is very similar to the outside of your body in the sense that it's the barrier between you 
and the world. And so what I mean by that is when you eat something, it's not in your body. It's going through this hole or this tube from your mouth all the way down to your stomach, down through the intestines and all the, the whole process, and it go, and then it comes out your anus. The only time it becomes a part of your it's body- like a gross water slide. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Ugh. The only- Bad visual. The only way it becomes a part of your body is when it goes through, you know, for lack of a better term, this membrane called your your gut or your digestive system, and then your body assimilates it, whatever. And this is, it's a very uh, intelligent part of your body. Think about it, right? When you eat food- First off, there may be things on it that could be potential toxins. There may be bacteria. There may be viruses. There's proteins, fats, carbohydrates, nutrients. All those nutrients don't get absorbed mm -hmm. throughout the whole body. There are particular parts of your body that absorb more of the fat-soluble nutrients or the water-soluble nutrients or the minerals mm -hmm. or the fats, the proteins, and the carbs. So you're, it's this very intelligent membrane that knows when to take things and when not to take take things. Now, knowing that, I can I can safely say that that is one of the most important aspects of your health. More important than the skin on the outside of your body. Imagine yeah. if you had open sores that were bleeding all the time on the outside of your body. Imagine what it would be like living life and how many infections you'd get and all that stuff. I mean, you're not going to get a lot of hugs. You're not, definitely not. Yeah, that's <laughs> so gross. It's a, it's a very important part of your body. And now we see with studies that it a healthy gut contributes to uh, a healthy mental state. And one that's not healthy contributes to things like anxiety and depression. In fact, there's a new, you know, whole new school of, of, of psychiatry that's called nutritional psychiatry where they, where they start treating some of these issues with diet. And we've known for, by the way, we've known for decades that fasting seems to have a positive effect on things like anxiety and depression. They've known that for a very, very long time. It's one of the first, I guess, nutritional interventions you know, Hippocrates would, would, would do this with people. He'd have them fast when they were sick and he'd help and cure a lot of people. So that all being said, and I want to, the reason why I'm saying this, I want people to realize how important it is. this is because besides your health, if you want to build muscle or burn body fat, probably the most important aspect of your health is your gut because what you eat, you can assimilate or not. And here's what happens when your gut is off, okay? When my gut is off, I lose strength, um, and I don't feel as sharp. I'm not assimilating my food. I'm eating the food and it's just not, I'm just not using it and utilizing it as well as I could. And on top of it, I can't increase my food intake to make up for it because the more food I eat, the more fucked up I get. And so you're in this shitty, if you ever know, if you've ever met or known anybody who is having a flare up of colitis or Crohn's, you can see it in their face. You know, mm -hmm. I feel terrible. My, my, my godson, he's had Crohn's, uh, you know, for five years and he's battled these flare-ups. And you can see it in the kid's face when he's having a flare-up. It's just pale, dark circles. And there's really nothing you can do to... And are you going to build muscle and burn body fat in that state? No. You can go on anabolic steroids and you could try. And it's going to be very, very difficult. Some of the first red flags that I saw that I ignored were all of a sudden foods I could eat before I could no longer eat. And the first one that became an issue for me was dairy. So when I was a kid, and I want to say maybe 16 years old, and for years, my goal was just to put on muscle size and gain weight. Maybe not even muscle size. I just want to get heavier. I would drink for breakfast a gallon of whole milk. That was my breakfast. And I would literally yeah. drink half of it before going to school, drink the other half at school. I did the same thing. And it was a challenge. I had to sit there and chug it and you know try not to throw up and all that stuff and get those extra calories. And all of a sudden, I got to the point where it gave me uh, stomach problems. It probably took a year of doing that. And then I started getting stomach problems. 
So then I, I heard that lactose intolerance was a common thing. So I said, oh, must be lactose. Bought the lactose-free milk, you know, the lactate one. And lo and behold, I could digest it again. Kept pushing the gallon of milk every morning. And then, I don't know, another year later, that started fucking me up. And so then I went with uh, whey protein powder. And then that was okay for a while. And I kept pushing that. And then I got to the point where all dairy, any dairy protein became an issue. Ignored it. And I went to other sources of protein. I bought egg protein powders. I bought beef protein powders. And I just kept going down this path of pushing and not realizing what I was doing to my body and just saying, oh, okay, that doesn't work. Well, I'm just still going to live this crazy lifestyle, but just use something else. And I was just ignoring them. When I finally had to address these issues is when my body finally gave me the middle finger and said, fuck you. So literally what happened. I, was, I think I was 30 years old and I was try, you know, I, I would go through these cycles of putting on 20 or 30 pounds during these bulks and then I'd cut for the summer and I'd get my body weight pretty damn high in the, in the winter up to 220, 230, which if you guys know my frame, that's a lot of weight for me. And I do this through just slamming myself with food. And it was through one of these bulks that all of a sudden I just had uh, really bad uh, like issues in my stomach. I had diarrhea really bad. And I'd get that on and off. And the way I used to fix it is I'd just throw some, eat some kaopectate or some, you know, some Pepto-Bismol. And after about two or three days, it would start to subside and I'd get racked back on to what I was doing but it didn't work. I was taking it every day, every day, and it wasn't working and it wasn't working. And then I said, okay, I just need to eat healthier. So let me eliminate the fast food. So I eliminated fast food, wasn't working. Scale started going down. I lost uh, probably close to 15 pounds. My strength dropped by half. Here I am, this you know guy who identified with being strong, with you know being fit and understanding health. In reality, all I understood was fat loss and muscle gain. And I'm losing 15 pounds. I've got these dark circles under my eyes. You know, I'm, I, my, my family's look commenting and like, what the hell is, you know, is everything okay? I'm going to the doctor. The doctor's like, oh, well, you know, here, take this anti-diarrhea medication or whatever because they don't know what the fuck to do. You get tested and you know, they don't find anything. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And finally, luckily I had, you know, I worked with uh, two wellness experts because they were in my, my wellness facility. And finally, I went to them one day. And after, by the way, they had been telling me for like the last two years that this would happen to me, and I just ignored them. Finally, I took them aside, swallowed my pride. And I'm like, I need your help. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing wrong. I said, I'm eating, you know, healthy, or I thought what was healthy. And so they looked at my diet, and, and, and the first thing, you know, one of them said was, okay, let's do an elimination diet, and let's start with the food intolerance test and figure out where you're at. And I had... A dairy intolerance, a peanut intolerance, an, an egg intolerance, a dairy intolerance, and a gluten intolerance, okay? Because at this point, I was super inflamed. I had to lay, eliminate all of them. I didn't even know that the chicken breast that I was marinating, the marinade had gluten in it. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, so I, I had to eliminate that. I had to eliminate all these different things. That started to Uber help. Uber intolerant. Yeah, that started to help, um, but I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't out of the woods yet. Um, then um, I started doing more research and I started to research uh, cannabinoids and how they affect the gut because I had experience where I went on vacation and, and had Here a bunch comes of the weed. Yeah. I had a bunch of cannabis with my buddy and my gut was a lot better. So I started researching cannabis. So then I threw cannabis into it and then I started researching probiotics and I started throwing probiotics in and it took me a year of perfect, perfect everything for me to get to the point where I could start reintroducing some foods 
every once in a while, but it was a year of, of fucking growth. And yeah. the other word for growth is fucking challenge and sucks. Now, you, you used probiotics, didn't you? I did. And, and do you still now, do you still I do use intermittently pro- use them? Yeah, I do intermittently use them uh, occasionally. I don't need them like I did before, but uh, I'll throw them in You know, maybe three or four days a week because I noticed still to this day when I take them, I feel a lot better. And I think, and Ruscio said that probiotics have a an antibiotic effect on other things. And so I think what I'm doing is I'm keeping maybe certain bad bacteria or whatever mm-hmm. at bay. Whatever I did before definitely affected me till now to the point where you know I'm a lot better and everything's a lot better off now, but I just have to pay attention. So do you think that's a smart, like be, me be going through my being sick and having a cold right now, I just imagine my immune system being down and it being a smart strategy for me to take the probiotic because I don't use it every day. I use mm-hmm. it intermittently. Uh, typically, the other time that I use uh, the probiotic is if I'm, you know, had had a meal that I know is going to comp- potentially compromise yeah. my gut. I'll just I'll take it with that. And then in a situation like this, is that would you say a, a smart strategy to do that? Absolutely. I, I think you know for a lot of people. And by the way, not all probiotics don't affect everyone. Great. When my gut was fucked for that year. I had to try several uh, probiotics yeah. before I found one that worked well, well for me. Well, doesn't it enhance like overgrowth if you already have overgrowth? You know, um, there was a theory that if you take too much of the, of certain strains that you'll cause uh, too many of other, certain strains to, to, to overpopulate and at the expense of other ones. Right. So there's a theory with that. But see, Ruscio says that none of it survives in your gut anyway. So mm. he says there's some other effect. Because he, he, he showed me some studies that show that even if you take dead probiotics yeah that it has a positive effect on a lot of people which is kind of fascinating huh. but in the beginning you know what's crazy when this when my gut was terrible i would read about like fermented foods and i'd be like oh kombucha yeah kombucha is gonna help me yeah fucked me up couldn't uh, have kombucha interesting yeah so i so you know this again goes back to even what we talked about earlier your body's constantly changing because now i can have kombucha and it seems to do me you know really really well this is totally off topic but uh when you're explaining you know, the basically how everything works with, uh, you know, the intestines and everything else. Um, I was watching this documentary and there's this guy who's actually mining through basically like all these like septic, uh, treatment plants and finding there's more gold in shit than there is in a lot of these like actual, um, you know, mining, like oaring it, you know, and getting it from mountains. The people are shitting gold. They're shitting gold. This is like the- and silver. Like it's it's in your clothes. It's you know you're consuming it. Uh, and he's finding like they're it's it's almost like twenty percent more gold than than they're getting from mining it. Great. We're gonna start like a, shit. A gold rush. What? Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like I mean, how are we, I didn't even know that we were consuming gold. A lot of gold. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't process it. Yeah. That. That's hilarious. Right. That's so funny. It's, it's bizarre. Anyway, yeah. that's totally Thanks, off Justin. topic. Nice yeah, random fact. Yeah. No problem. The next question is from the Maple Leaf Man. Should I go to college to become a personal trainer or should I go straight into the field? Mm. If you want to, if you just want to be a trainer and you want to be a good and successful personal trainer. Get experience. Yeah. I don't think college is going to, college will put you in debt. I, I, think, I don't think it's going to really help you. Really. Yeah. Go find somebody that's like super, super reputable. And an intern or, you know, like, I don't know, that would be my strategy is to spending a fuck ton of money on college and, and, you know, get that experience. And then, you know, use that money into very specific 
uh, certifications yeah, and things. Yeah, because the barrier to enter into that market is, is a certification usually. Well, yeah. I would not call it. I would advise different people differently here. And what I mean by that is, I think people like, especially the three of us in here, who are personable, outgoing, like. I'm a firm believer in focusing on your strengths and doubling down on that. And if it's a weakness of yours, like that's should, only 20% of your time should be focused on developing your weaknesses and 80% should be developing your already your strength and turning it into something great. And so if you're somebody who like the school and the sitting in classrooms and learning and educating is just, you're already like not a huge fan, but you're doing it because you think you're supposed to do it. Like that person I wouldn't advise to go on to college just to go on to college you'll get your kinese because i think you can get you can learn just as much on your own along the way and then you can go focus on the things that you really want to do related to fitness now i've also seen some trainers that and there there, there are these trainers and there's definitely people in the the uh, medical field and and pt field that are just not real personable aren't going to be good in sales but because they've gone so far in school and they are so educated they've reached a level uh, in their profession that they'll make really good money doing what they're doing. I know a lot of P- PTs like this, you know, your physical therapist can make really good fucking money. Well, you have to go to school to be a physical therapist. Right. There's so, a high barrier there. Right. So if, yep. so if you're, if you are somebody who enjoys school, enjoys, uh, you know, learning in that system, um, then I would push you in that direction because you'll probably continue to excel in there. You'll probably retain a lot. You'll probably get a lot from there and it could take you many other places mm-hmm. that maybe not having your degree could have. But if you're somebody who's already dreading school or considering like, I just don't like doing this, I'm doing it because I think I need to do it, I don't think you need to do it at all. And I think that someone like me, uh, I I mean, I think back to if I would have stayed in college for another three to four years versus my first three to four years, man, my first three, 40 years in personal training, I mean, I, I learned so much of the business and excelled. I mean, I was already into six figures within the first year of being a personal trainer and then going on beyond that and and what I was learning about the business and learning about being a personal trainer and managing and leading like man I I, I no way school would have gave me that yeah. that that, I think, that education yeah I think the one valuable thing that if you have like a good professor and you have good teachers uh, they teach you how to learn and how to critically uh, analyze information and I think that. Um, that's a skill that like not a lot of people have, like they'll just take things that sort of face value and uh, well, this is what it says. And, you know, and then let's figure it out and let's apply it. But, you know, to be able to kind of go through the process of empirical data, like how do we, how do we get to this point? Like, like how do we test this, you know, test this theory and how do I, you know, analyze this and then like take uh, subjects and, and bring them in. And like, so you can do that, you can do that and self experiment with that as far as like in a gym, like I can have, you know, go through with, with my clients and, you know, apply these theories. But, um, what school really helped me with and thinking back when I did a lab and I, and I ran an actual study, uh, that was very valuable to me because I could actually take, um, you know, scientific approach, uh, and, and analyze it, write it down, you know, see like the discrepancies between, you know, the population, like so many different people had different results and what does that mean? And, uh, let's analyze this. And, um, I think like the critical thinking, uh, was really something valuable to me, but like, as far as 
the actual job experience and all that like that that's just like like I had to do it. Like, do you yeah. think like n- n- your experience is you're the only one that actually finished his his Kinney's degree? Do you think that the four years that you spent there, if you didn't do those four years there at school and get that degree, and you took those four years and you started four years earlier at the same exact place, you meet me just four years earlier, yeah, and you start, do you think you'd be further ahead today or behind where you're at today? Hmm. I think I would be different. Well, yeah, there's no shit. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, and it's hard to answer. That sounds general, but it's hard to answer that because it's like you know, it's hard. I hate it when people say, "Would you change anything?" Because you are who you are. Yeah, but I I also think that he 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 has a unique perspective because he's put enough years in, you know, outside of you know formal education, and he's also has a formal. You and I, I think, I think it's a harder thing for you and I to speculate because I would have been just like whatever you told me. I would just like, yeah, yeah, and I would have applied it. I wouldn't have like challenged challenged it or like critically thought about it and been like, well, I don't know if that's right. Look, there's you guys are missing. There's a there's a critical piece here that we're missing with this conversation. Like, Justin, have you paid off your college debt yet? Yeah, <laughs> no. Okay, I, I have just a little bit. Left. Okay, that's yeah. a big fucking part that nobody considers. Let's, yeah. That's let, a good point. Let's do the math yeah, just for it. a second, okay? That's a huge a, part. A four year degree at a you know at, at a university to become a personal trainer in, in a related field is going to cost you anywhere between 30 to a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So depending on how you go to a state, you know, university or, or, a, you know, a, a community college, move your, you know, way into a state university, or you go to a big, nice private, private college, school, even worse, you're gonna pay 30 to a hundred thousand dollars for that education for four years. Now let's take those four years. And remember there is no, no, no uh, degree barrier to become a personal trainer. That's another key component. Physical therapy is different. You have to have a degree. Personal trainer, there is no barrier. The only barrier is a, is a national certification. So if we took those four years with the current tools and education that you have today, with the internet, with certifications, with podcasts, with whatever, same motivation to learn. So you're still trying to learn. You're not some lazy fuck or whatever. You take those same four years, you get a job as a trainer, but then you also go out of your way to get certifications and learn things. I argue, I will argue, both motivated individuals, not only will you be better off because you'll probably learn more specific and applicable skills to what you're doing because now you're in the field and you're doing and you're learning based on the experience, but you're also making money. You're not in debt. So now four years later, instead of being $50,000 in debt, you're- Mm -hmm. You're a plus. Well, you're you know, not spinning 60, your wheels. You're actually moving forward. Yeah, and you're yeah. learn and you're learning way more. Well, and, that's why initially, yeah, yeah, that was my suggestion. And, and I challenge anybody to show me anything you can learn today for a personal training related field in college that I can't learn for free right now by going oh, online. It's totally different it. now. Well, that's I'll, what I'm saying. It's accessible. So, so I'll I'll concede to that with this that if you are 100 percent sure that personal training is what you want to do and only do for the rest of your life then yeah. either you're 100% right and I can't debate any bit of that. But where I, where I was at when I was, you know, this probably the same age as this kid that's deciding this right now, you know, you better be damn certain that that's where you're going because then you're right. You guys are right. But because once you do make that decision, you do cut off the possibility of being a professional mm-hmm. athlete trainer. So working for an NFL team, you're not going to be a physical therapist. You're not going to be a doctor. You're not going to be any of these other things that require yeah, point. these degrees. Right. So if you that's know, what I was working towards was a physical and therapy. So, and, so. and it might, and there was that yeah, was I, the reason why I had such a hard time. So I had I had knocked out uh, two and a half years of JC, almost three years. Uh, I was almost finished with my AA, and 
I was moving to San Jose to finish to finish my bachelor's in kinesiology. I wanted to transfer over to San Jose State. That was the plan. And the, the hardest decision I had, because I, I, I was doing 24-hour fitness part-time, and it took off, and I fell in love with it. Like, I fell in love with it, and I was every paycheck. I was making more money and more money, and I was like, fuck, dude, there's, there's, this is really awesome. I love everything about it. And, and all of a sudden, I lost this drive to go to school, and I thought, fuck, yeah, but I, originally I saw myself as a, a personal trainer for the pros, or I thought maybe I'd be a physical therapist potentially. Like, I wasn't for sure set on what I definitely wanted to do for the rest of my life. But because I had fallen in love with the training so much, I was like, fuck, I could do this for the rest of my life and actually be really happy if I can make decent income, which I'm already seeing already in the short amount of time that I'm in this. So that's how I made I made this deal with myself. And I said, okay, Adam, you're 20 years old. You're still young. I graduated high school at 17. You did the same thing I did. Yeah, I, I'm giving myself one year. Mm-hmm. If you really, if you're, and it was like, this was nobody else around. This is my own gut check. Like, okay, if this is really what it's cracked up to be, I'm going to pour everything I got into it and give it what I can mm-hmm. and fuck school. Everyone's going to be pissed at me. Grandma's mad at me. Aunts and uncles mad at me. And parents are disappointed in me. Everybody's pissed off at the decision I'm going to make. Fuck everybody else. I owe this to myself. I'm going to give myself a year. At that point, I know I'd only be 21 years old while finishing up as AA. Mm-hmm. I'm not. It's not the end of the world. I could totally go back if I need to, but I'm not going to fuck around. I'm not going to kind of try it and if I'm kind of doing good because that's where you get fucked. Yeah, you're a motivated person. Right. That's it's, where a lot of people, I think they feel like they have to go to school because otherwise they're not motivated to do anything. And and this mm-hmm. is why I say like that school is for some people. But then they end up spending a shit ton of money. Right, right. On, and I'll tell you something right now. I'm going to make a prediction, right? First off, here's the reason, the reason why today universities haven't already collapsed, okay? There's two reasons, 100%. I'll debate anybody on this. One is that we're still in the belief that that's the way you become successful. That's already starting to die. And the second one is that they have a monopoly because there are jobs by law that require degrees. And that is a deal between the universities and the government. Okay, That's going to break down. 20 years from now, education as we know it is going to be totally different. It's going to be destroyed. The way we see it now is not going to exist in 20 years. Why? The cost is exploding, and the barriers to enter markets are dissolving. As markets, in, as markets explode, as technology allows people to connect, as people now can text the physician's assistant and, and talk about their mm-hmm. kid's you know, potential infection and show them pictures and get a prescription, yeah. they don't have to go to an internal medicine doctor. They don't have to you know, spend all that money to do that kind of stuff. As things start to change... You're going to see, because right now, look, if all the barrier, if those barriers started to dissolve right now, if you didn't need degrees for some of these jobs and it was just based off of experience and how good you were and ratings, it would go a lot faster. The read, the risk, what's propping it up is because here's the thing if, regulations. Yeah. If you try, if you want to enter into a field, I agree. That, I agree. yeah, you want to enter into a field that doesn't require a degree by employers or by law, like you can learn all that shit and save fucking weight. It's so expensive. Man, I used to, you know, right now, general practitioners are becoming scarce. This is in medicine where you have to have a degree and you have to have all these things. They're becoming scarce because a lot of people going into medical school are looking at it and saying, okay, I'm going to graduate with 200000 By the way, $200,000 is the is not extreme. That's kind of no, on that's, average. It's almost low. $200,000 with eight For years of school student. plus two years of, you know, of, of uh, you know, residency or whatever. You know, so 10 years you're in school. You come out, you got $200,000 of debt over your head, and you're going to be a general practitioner, and you're going to make, what, one hundred twenty grand. 
starting a year maybe. Yeah. And then you take and, you ten years to get to a quarter million. Dude, if in that ten year period you worked at fucking Target and you moved your way up and bought investment properties and, and, and invested your money, at the end of that ten years, you'd probably have a portfolio worth a half a million dollars. And then you want to go back to school, you could pay for it yourself. And this is what people are Damn, starting to Target figure. Target pays like yeah. That? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm using a stupid example. <laughs> but you you get my point. My point is it's becoming that way because it's so expensive and so ridiculous, and because information yeah. is almost free. Well, what's exciting about that too is it'll also breed more specialists, like people that really, you know, want to hone in on and we'll get better we'll get better practitioners out there as a result, right? People that want to do the school, you know, and get like like very specific in their skill. Uh, you know, like the general stuff I think is dissolved. Dude, my favorite is tech because it's hilarious. If you go to school and you get a tech related degree, what you learn for the first three years are obsolete. You know, you, you graduate four years, six years later. Yeah. The first four to five years of your school, forget it because technology has advanced so fast. Right. You're already seeing it with tech companies. They're already starting to poach kids out of colleges and putting them in these training programs or whatever because yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, all it does, here's so what here, it does. learn our system. You yeah. Know, you want them in as soon as possible, you know, because yeah, there's so much growth there. Because if you look at, if you compare, and this is what I hate about the statistic, if you look at people who have a degree versus people who don't, for sure, the category of people who have a degree earn more money and are more successful. But that's because you're not controlling for motivation yeah, and ambition. Yeah, what does it say about those people? They're disciplined, they're committed. That's it. You like, take should the, t- show me highly, take a test of people that are highly disciplined and committed, regardless of the degree, and show me that same exact same I would step. love to see that exact yeah, same study. I guarantee it crushes it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, most on, entrepreneurs- uh, Successful ones. Because 80% of them fail. Yeah, the ones that succeed are the ones that are fucking committed. A large, <laughs> and a large percentage of them don't yeah. have like an advanced degree or whatever. So, right. And I'm not going- I'm like, By the way, I'm not saying I'm anti-formal education. I'm just saying for this question here, you want to be a personal trainer because that's the question. If you just want to be a personal trainer- my my what i would say to you is go work in a big box go get a bunch of certifications learn on your own there's a lot of them that are out there you can get the the check courses nasm has a shit ton of courses that are amazing you could learn you know all the different stretching and correctional exercise certifications that exist there's yeah. eldoa frc, there's FRC. Yeah. learn all these kick ass in a big box Give yourself a year and fucking be a badass. Become the top trainer in your gym because you're committed and ambitious and you're applying yourself. And then look and see if you can go private and take it from there and watch what happens. And, I, and if you do that over a four-year period of time, I feel like you'll be in a better position than if you go to school for four years and then graduate and now you're a beginner. Yeah, just a don't, trainer. My advice is just don't flounder around and don't use the this advice as excuse not to go to school and then go fuck off because – that could be the worst thing you do. Yeah, is, mom and dad, mind pump said I didn't have to go to school. Yeah. Right. You know, that could be the worst thing that you decide to do is not go to school because you're the type of person that needs structure and needs somewhere to be and needs to be told what to do because you're not the type of person who is committed to go above and beyond on your own when nobody's telling you to wake up and work that extra day yeah. and not take a vacation and grind those Create hours. Create work for yourself. And do the things that other people are doing. If you're not that person, then fuck yeah, school might be that for you. But for a PT, absolutely, I think we all agree on that. But don't use that as excuse to go fuck off you give yourself a year because you don't need very much time to figure out if this is for you or not 
a year's time, there's not very many trainers that I hired that within the first three months, I didn't know what they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what they were going to be. I know right away. Like You he, should I, go to school, buddy. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you right. I mean, there was some that went yeah. less than three months. I can tell you if you're going to be very successful doing this. And so if you're not already making waves within the first three months into that profession, then you know you might have been the kid who probably should have stayed in college. That's it. Look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can take a look at all of our guides. And guess what? They're all free. That's why the website's mindpumpfree.com. Free, free, free. Go check it out. Also, if you're not following us on Instagram, uh, you're missing out. Uh, Justin has an amazing page. You can find him at Mind Pump Justin. Hey, yeah, Adam's got a great page. You can find him at Mind Pump Adam. And of course, you can find me at Mind Pump Sal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>